My name is Thomas Vale, or at least it was. I'm a photographer. I had it all. A wife, Allison. Friends, a career. And in one moment, it was all taken away. All because of a single photograph. I have it. They want it. And they will do anything to get the negative. I'm keeping this diary as proof that these events are real. I know they are. They have to be. Welcome to Nowhere Men, the Nowhere Man Project. My name is Gabe. And I'm Steve. And today we are talking about Nowhere Man, the 1995 uh, UPN thriller, drama, action, comedy starring Bruce Greenwood. Today's episode 23-0-10. Before we say anything else, uh, I have a question, Steve. What that title? So when I searched zero minus ten, like normally I just go nowhere man episode blank yeah. on YouTube. Because you told me what the name of the episode was, I Googled zero minus ten. Yeah. Or I put that in, or I searched that in, into YouTube. And I found out there's a, there's a James Bond book mm. that came out a year after this episode. Oh. Yeah. Do Named th- Zero Minus Ten. Do you think James do you think the writer of James Bond took ideas from nowhere man? Well, I'm I, I I didn't double check this, but I'm fairly certain <laughs> the writer of James Bond wrote novels like a very long time well, ago. Well, I mean, the writer this of was whoever wrote that one. The original. So no, that's it. Like this is so it was written by someone who wrote the James Bond novels between 1997 and 2000 something. Okay. So you know, I don't know. I was thinking <laughs> this this episode in particular felt very much like the Truman Show, and I had to I had to Google when was the Truman Show. Yeah, I definitely and the Truman did Show came get, after this. I definitely got Truman Show vibes from this. I feel like you could watch this episode and be like, you could get a lot out. Of, you you could make a whole meal out of this episode. Yeah, there's a there's a moment where Larry shows back up, where the friend shows back up, and I was like, this happened in Truman oh, Show. Absolutely, is- when when he, he and Truman are like sitting on the whatever drinking beers. Yeah, yeah, no, I I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, like they were like sending the friend now, sending the friend now, or oh, just drop by. <laughs> right. And I'm like, okay, this is this is interesting. I I sometimes feel like. Either other people were toying with the same ideas and it was just in the in the air. Mm-hmm. Um, or I do genuinely wonder sometimes if somebody watched this show and was like, what if this was good and a movie? Because yeah. There's a number of times where it just feels like things could have been derived from it. So hard I don't to know. know. So I have no idea what zero minus 10 mean. Yeah, I don't know. I. <laughs> so one thing that I would say about this episode is that um, I feel like this is... It is a very interesting episode that gets worse and worse the more you think about it. <laughs> yeah, um, okay. My first time watching it was uh, about a week ago, and I thought it was really cool. I was like, mm-hmm. I'm I'm on board. This is this is awesome. But then the more I thought about it, and then when I watched it again to uh, take notes, I also listened to the there's a um, there's a commentary for this one as well. Also some cool. deleted okay. scenes. I have some notes for that in in my notes. Cool. Uh, but th- yeah, the more the more work i put into this episode the worse it got irrevocably i would say so sure we'll we'll see how it goes i know i had moments where i was like this is great i'm watching television and then by the end i was like meh oh i think okay uh since i probably cut it out i i just had a moment where i forgot what i was gonna say i think i think i actually got what it is um you're talking about james bond 
and yeah. not to give any spoilers, but I did. We just watched the next episode because we had dinner and Lisa, Lisa asked if we could watch Nowhere Man. So I put on nice. the one after this and parts of it felt like a bond, you know, felt like not necessarily bond, but felt like a secret agent type thing or, or something. I don't know cool. if it will feel that way on a second watch or if it'll feel that way for you, but <laughs> right. uh, it definitely felt more in line with a James Bond type movie than most episodes of this show. Okay. Um, all right. So this episode aired on May 6th, 1996, which was one week after the previous one. And part of this episode takes place on that day. Oh. There's a point later on where, uh, I'll call him James, where, <laughs> uh, where Tom looks at a calendar. And it is May 6th. So that. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I imagine they probably did that on purpose. Um, so the director was James Whitmore Jr. He directed two other episodes. We just talked about him because he directed Dark Side of the Moon, which was the uh, episode where he loses the negatives in the inner city or whatever. He also directed mm. something about her. So those these three episodes are the ones that, uh, that he's done. Okay. And it was written by Jane Espenson. This is her only Nowhere Man credit, but she has a bunch of other stuff that I thought was interesting. She wrote... The Firefly episode, Shindig. Oh, shit. Which is a good episode. She wrote a whole bunch of episodes of Buffy, a whole bunch of episodes of Once Upon a Time. Also, she created Warehouse 13. I don't know if you've seen Warehouse 13. I'm familiar with it. My sister watched it, yeah. Uh, We've talked about The Lost Room as like a thing that we we both very much appreciate. I feel like Warehouse 13 is kind of the cheap knockoff of, of... uh, the Lost Room. Sure, I wouldn't pitch it to that. Like for my sister who likes the <laughs> sure, show, but sure. for people who don't care, yeah, maybe. I'll tell you what it is. I've yeah. seen like an episode here or there. Mm-hmm. It's the television version of it. Sure, sure. That's how I would describe it. I think Lost Room is so self-contained. Yeah, and is artful. Okay, and I think there's a lot of television crutches in sure, the Warehouse sure. 13 that I've seen. Like it's still good. But it's television. Yeah. Whereas when you when we describe the Lost Room, we don't we're like, come watch this very short TV show with us. We're like, the the way you describe it is, what are you doing for the next four and a half hours? Yeah, and th- <laughs> that is, I think, you know, that that's how I, I would differentiate them. But sure. anyways, that's a great uh, resume. Yeah, yeah. So she's got yeah. she's got a lot of stuff. No other episodes, like I said, no other episodes of uh, of Nowhere Man though. I mean, there's only only two more episodes left. Sure. No, she has um, to go write better television. Yeah. the uh, The only notable cast in this episode are just actors from other episodes of Nowhere Man. Uh, Megan Gallagher, who plays Allison. Um, I didn't realize this until I listened to the the uh, listen to the commentary, but she was on the show Millennium. I don't know if you know anything about Millennium. I only know about it because there was an X-Files podcast that I used to listen to that started covering Millennium uh, near the end of their run. Millennium was, it was made by the same guys, X-Files, Chris Carter. It was sort of, it was about like this Illuminati type organization or something that uh, was setting up some big thing to take place on the year 2000. So the the show was kind of leading up to the year 2000. That's and cool. she was on like that was almost such every a real episode. thing, listeners. If you weren't there for it, like <laughs> yes. there was that was such a as dumb as it sounds now, there was a genuine sense of oh, what's going to happen. Everything's going to yeah. change, and like I don't know, you were a couple years older than me, so maybe it was you were like I don't care, but I was so genuinely afraid. I mean, you know, I I didn't know enough to know whether it was big or small, whether it would be a, a good thing or a bad thing or whatever. Um, I remember on December 31st, 1999, my dad was at our household computer and he was like, 
yeah, I got to do something about this. Uh, and then he sort of, you know, he did the little like, you know, look right, look left. And then he just set the computer's clock back to 1998. <laughs> <laughs> Probably okay. until he was able to figure out if <laughs> if there was anything else he needed to do. That's amazing. Yeah. So anyways, I like the idea of there it, there was just it, it was a current event. Yeah. And it was it, it was something that was at least I don't think it was necessarily as uh monofocus as the current pandemic, but there's mm-hmm. definitely it, it was a it was a current event. And so to make a and it wasn't something happened and there was fallout, it was we were leading up to something. So that's clever yep. that somebody wrote a television show to capitalize on that. Yeah. Maybe it was good, or maybe it was just a clever gimmick. I don't <laughs> it know. Had, the that's, show that's, had like had like three or four seasons, I think. Okay, um, but uh, but Mel- Megan Gallagher was on forty four episodes of it, so Whoa! she was she was like a big part of it. And apparently, she found out she got the role during the filming of this episode. There was like one of the scenes I don't remember which one of her scenes. The commentary was just Bruce Greenwood, and he he mentioned uh, that during that scene, she like walked off set, found out she got the part, and then came back and was all excited about it. So that's cool. All right. Um, and then uh, Murray Rubenstein is the guy who plays Larry. He's the only other notable cast member in this. And I um, never checked. Is, is that the same guy playing from the first it is, episode? It is. Yeah. Okay. The, the same guy. And one thing. So I, I, I did do a quick little check for the two remaining episodes, whether there are any notable cast members in those. Um, I mean, I don't think there is. I, I could be wrong. But I did notice on IMDb in the final episode, there is an actor who was in this episode and he supposedly is playing the same character but it was like okay. it was like the guy that goes with them to their the um the gallery and so i'm the wondering assistant? if this is a, another situation like we had back in stay tuned and shine a light on you imdb had the sheriff from shine a light on you also listed as being in stay tuned which he very much was not okay i'm wondering if that's just what happened here i i feel like there's no possible way that this this like three line actor came back for another episode of nowhere man to play the same character. People were like, Oh my goodness. The guy that had three lines in, (laughs) in zero my cent, bring him back. We got to have him back. Bring back that continuity. This is what the continuity is for. (laughs) So I, I'm imagining that's just an IMDB goof. Okay. So do you have a one sentence elevator pitch for this episode? I'm assuming the answer is no. Do you want to see the episode of television? The Truman show was based on (laughs) that works. Uh, mine is a bit more conventional. Tom wakes up and finds out his entire struggle so far has been a dream or has it? <laughs> uh, so we start off. This episode has no opening voiceover. Oh, mine did. Yours did. I mean, it has yeah. like the usual one that every episode does. Oh, but I then, see. Yes. But then nothing, oh, nothing sure. unique right, right, right. to the episode. There, there, there was, was only, there was no Tom mumbling some sure, interesting sure. facts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, that's a good point. There's only two Tom voiceovers in this episode and they're like right at the end of the episode. There's like one okay, is like yeah, the yeah. very last line of the show and then a, of the episode. Then another one is like a couple minutes before that. Oh, I like that. I have thoughts on that, but go ahead. Okay. So uh, any thoughts before we jump into the recap? This, this episode changed what I think the premise of the show is okay i know i no longer think they are after the negatives i think they care about when tom gives up the negatives and why okay yeah that, that makes sense there is definitely some stuff in this episode that would uh could lead you to to believe that 
So we start off, Tom is running down an industrial basement hallway. He rounds a corner and is blinded by a bright light where he sees a bunch of men in suits watching him from a boardroom table. And I liked the light in the background. It's got these like two spinning things that are like sort of crisscrossing over each other. And it looks really cool. Uh, And we hear someone asking, Tom, are you with us? Tom's vision fades to that of a hospital room where a bunch of doctors are standing around his bed. One of them is shining light in his eyes. As Tom comes around, he groggily asks where he is. The lead doctor, Dr. North, says he's been in the hospital for almost three months. They ask him to perform some basic motor skill tests, and Tom freaks out and grabs Dr. North. Dr. North says Tom was in a car accident and he's been in a coma for three months. He says Tom is very lucky to have made it through, but he has someone who might bring a smile to his face. In walks Allison, who welcomes him back. Smash cut to credits. Pretty quick cold open, I think. Um, well, yeah. And so the the stuff about how he's he's not giving us a big old monologue, and there's not going to be a lot of him talking to the to to the, to the audience. Yeah. Um, I like that a lot. Uh, clearly, you get a. F- I mean, it's not the only thing that that slows up the intros but you're, you're mm-hmm. gonna have a faster a faster ride here where usually he's so methodical yeah i mean this show's version of him being methodical but like <laughs> sure you know usually it's he's he knows what's going on um with, with the exception of the episodes where he's completely under like uh the carrie Ann moss episode mm-hmm. um he doesn't he's not talking to us i think because what's what what I talked about in the last episode was it's it's been Tom and his smart smart mind versus the organization for the whole for the whole show yeah and now he's got this fear that he might be losing his mind and it's like he's you know losing his his biggest ally mm-hmm. and that could have gone two ways that could have been him spending the entire episode talking out his thoughts mm-hmm or I kind I kind of like the fact that he's not talking to himself anymore. That that this is actually one of the the episodes where he's losing access to trusting himself, mm-hmm. and he's confiding in other people throughout this yep. episode. Um, if if it had been that and monologues, then okay, fine. It's just a regular show where we talk where we point out that it's better when Tom has someone to talk to. Sure, but the fact that it doesn't open with him explaining what he's doing and what he's up to and what he's thinking about. I, I really like the idea that that he's become vulnerable and that's why they're able to do this this time. Okay. That 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 I you know it's, it's going to be revealed that he doesn't remember where he was before he was in the hospital. Mm-hmm. And but he remembers like everything else. He just doesn't remember like how did I get here and and, and when did this start? Um I wish the monologues were I wish this could have been a starker contrast so that it was a clear choice. Okay. I wish the monologues weren't this kind of dumping ground for weird thematic ideas. <laughs> I wish yeah. it was a clearer because like if it could have been every single time he does talk, well, especially if it was w- one of the versions where he actually talks to a character. Mm-hmm. If that character were absent for the whole episode, you wouldn't be able to necessarily put your finger on it. But like he stopped talking to himself in that episode. Sure. And that would be a, a you know a good indicator that he's he's lost trust in himself. Now he doesn't even know how to confide in his own self. Mm-hmm. Um, I I I want that to be the reason, and not just this episode. You know, 
doesn't have most episodes don't have a voiceover when you have somebody who's only written one episode for the show it's entirely possible that that has that was not a choice at all oh shoot it was yeah. just someone yeah. writing television uh-huh and going no i'm not gonna have a voiceover those are usually bad and they are they are yeah. usually not helpful um it pro- it probably wasn't but i would love it if it was i well I, I would love it if it was a conscious choice and so in the first season of house of cards the main mm-hmm. character talks directly to the audience. Sure. And and he does so throughout the entire um, first season. The second season opens with him not talking to the audience for the entirety of the first episode until the last three minutes. Hmm. And he says, oh, did you think I had forgotten you? And so, he, like, it's creepy when he talks talks to you. And he's yeah. done a really shitty thing after, like, during the, the that episode. And... Um, I wish it could have been a reveal like that. I wish I wish it could have been something to that effect where we can really grasp mm-hmm. that Tom is hobbled. Okay. So, all right. Okay. That's that's my wish for the opening. Yeah. Um so on the on the commentary Tom Tom Bruce Greenwood has uh he kind of complains about a lot, actually, not about necessarily okay. this episode, but about the show in general. A okay. lot of the things that we've complained about, he complains about. He complains about okay. how it's, you know, 23 episodes in and we still don't know what the negatives are, like why they want the negatives. He talks about how the voiceover is very important because there is no good dialogue otherwise that gets out any (laughs) information so it's kind of you have to have it in order to to get uh you know get some of that out there he even mentions that there's when they would be filming this he would get the script and then he would hate all the dialogue so he would try to put his own spin on it and then he would get an angry call from larry herzog being like why aren't you just reading the the and then the two of them would argue about it for a while eventually they would come to some sort of a conclusion then you know, most of the time, well, they already recorded him saying those lines, so they're not going to go back and do them again. Okay. So a lot of it was like he was he was uh, discontent with how how the dialogue was written, so he tried his best to fix it. I guess. Yeah. Okay. Um, That's interesting I, to hear. I what when you said it was him doing and only him doing the commentary, I yeah. was like, oh, I wonder how that <laughs> went. I did not expect it to be a confessional. I did not yeah. expect it to be him being. It, it wasn't the greatest commentaries. I'm a fan of commentaries and it wasn't the greatest one. Like sure. th- a lot of the episode was just him. He was just watching what was on screen. He wasn't really talking. Yeah, there, There's an art to it that yeah. if you don't intentionally do it. Yeah, it can be done so poorly. Yeah. But I mean, what was there was I would say was pretty good. I've got like I said, I've got a few notes uh, as we go through the episode about stuff that he said. Yeah. So like if the if the voiceover wasn't this crutch that the show relied on. Yeah. And instead was, even if it wasn't him talking to somebody, if it was like, great, something that we look forward to. Yeah. Something that we can rely on, something that was completely consistent, you know, something that wasn't just, uh, this time there's this amount of monologue, this time there's not. If it was something that, that was completely consistent and it was, do you, I don't know if we've talked about this, you would have a better sense because you've edited the show. Mm-hmm. Have we talked about shows that do a narration well, that that, that do a inner monologue well? I don't think so. I don't know what that even looks like, honestly. I'm not, like, I can't, I don't have an example to point to for, I feel like Sex in the City did. Um, I mean, we, we've talked about uh, the equivalent of a an inner monologue, like in uh, Limitless. You know, we've talked about that lots of times. But... Whereas, where, yeah, where he's talking with a with a character. But yeah, no, just, just an actual, mm-hmm. like, I know in Sex in the City, she's writing a column. Yeah. And that's part of the, but it's been forever since I've seen that show. Um, 
I don't really know what a good monologue necessarily looks like, but I feel like if you if you had done it really really well, mm-hmm. and and you were the the this is the show. This is the when you want to see a, a monologue done really well, you you point to nowhere, man. <laughs> Um, to, to have it missing, uh, would, would be really cool. I think to, to, to just like, there are episodes of shows. I know sometimes they will cut the music for. Okay. Yeah. There will sometimes, they will sometimes in in shows, they will do a episode with no music Mm -hmm. and the audience doesn't notice it, but they know something is weird. Sure. So like that, like that, I would, I would love it if it could have been that, but yeah, I, (laughs) That's I feel so I feel for Bruce that that's, <laughs> yeah that that's where he was right. Uh, so we uh, come back from the credits and they are leaving the hospital. Allison is wheeling Tom out of uh, out of the hospital and Tom wants to get up. She says hospital policy that has to stay in the wheelchair. That's a thing. That's a real thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you're in the hospital, when you're an inpatient in the hospital, uh, most of the time they you are supposed to stay in the wheelchair until someone gets you out. Even if you are fully capable of walking, probably a liability thing. I don't know, but uh, that's my assumption. Yeah. um, But Tom says he mentions how he's just been through a week of physical therapy, meaning like after he woke up a week has now passed. I need to see this week. This is not, this is not a time where you can just jump forward a week yeah, agreed. and just have the viewer be like, "Oh yeah, okay, sure." I I, I bet nothing important happened during that week. We just talked in yeah. one of the previous episodes yep. about like shows where it's day, you know, day to day and and so on. Like, I need to know how suspicious Tom was of literally everything during that week. How many times did he try to escape? How many people did he choke with a belt during that week? I need to know these things. <laughs> There are times in this episode you can fast forward. This is one of them. Out. I can't even hear you right now. Oh, oh my god! Yes, <laughs> how many people did he choke with a belt? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. It, Tom is an atypical person who can't just have a week go by. That's like that. Not, not after Allison's back. Exactly. Like if they waited did, a week to show him Allison plausible but after yeah. allison's back he's immediately on edge sure because as we see in this episode he can't go a day without acting incredibly hostile towards allison that's was right. she visiting right. him during that week we i need to know this yeah yep yeah, that's a good point that's a good point i completely forgot about that i yeah. was like oh that's dumb they should have showed that and then i moved on i did not even think about that but yeah i basically i don't canonize the week of physical therapy like it was it was such a like you're saying there's no way it went well yeah so no he didn't do a week of physical therapy (laughs) that was an entire mini series in and of itself the week of physical therapy i want to see that just that like (laughs) when we talk about iceberg writing that's all i want to see forget the entire rest of the show i want to play that's him doing physical therapy and his wife is there and we as the audience like of course this is his wife what are you talking about and slowly over the time you know we are left with this wondering of is it his wife i don't know he's made some compelling points that's a fascinating week there is missed opportunity the movie groundhog day yeah. Um the apparently at one point in development the idea was going to be that it just picks up on a normal day with 
uh, with with Bill Murray's character having been living the same day for however long. It just starts up. The movie starts. Oh. He's he knows everything that's going to happen before it happens. He's sure. you know catching a kid falling out of a tree. He's telling people their past and so on. And uh, and then and then we would over the course of the movie, it would flash back or whatever, and you would learn how in the world he knows everything that happens in this day in in Punxsutawney, whatever. Uh, but then they, they decide not to go with that. And I, I think that was probably a good move. But similarly, yeah, that's what this could have been. The show starts out. Tom is just a looks like just a normal guy in physical therapy, but he's suspicious of everything. He's, you know, choking people with belts. And, and so <laughs> uh, and so then over episodes or whatever, we would piece together what uh, what this was. So just yeah, the, the, the takeaway here is don't put in a big time jump when a time jump cannot work and that's yeah. cannot work here. If there was plot. Yeah. Yeah. If there was plot that could have happened during that time period, you have to explain away why there was no plot worth seeing. Yeah. It's sort of, there's a South park episode where they're up in heaven and like, there's a, there's a huge army of demons versus angels or something. I don't actually know what the battle <laughs> yes. was, but basically the camera is on a person narrating what they're watching. Yeah, and it's this, yeah. you know, very, very obvious fourth wall breaks. They're talking about how, wow, this is amazing. Anybody this who would, could see this would be so amazing. This would be so expensive to show on, on TV. <laughs> yeah. Um, I have a, a note in my notes here. I have a note to myself. It's a, it's a note for later in the episode, but when making my notes, I never revisited it and I don't know where I would have put it. I'll just say it here. The note that I have is I like how this episode sort of follows the continuity of uh, the previous episode in the previous, sort of in the previous episode, he was, he was back at Callaway, which was sort of close to where he used to live. So in this episode, he is similarly in the same location as where the pilot took place. Sure. I thought that that was an interesting note. Um, Yeah. Yeah. No, I like the idea that he's like returned home, basically. Kind of. For this last little bit. Um, So anyway, I put my notes, but whatever, a week has passed. And uh, now Tom's able to leave there. There was a deleted scene here on the DVD. There's a deleted scene where Tom sees their car and he is immediately suspicious because supposedly he was in this horrible car accident and their car looks perfectly fine. Allison explains that the insurance paid in full. So she got the same model and color. This is also Mm. she points out her earrings. She says, hey, you recognize my earrings? And Tom says, no, he doesn't recognize the earrings. She says that he got them for her for their first anniversary, which he doesn't remember. Um, And she says she wore them for luck while he was in in the coma, which there is a part listener who apparently hasn't watched this episode, I guess. There's a part later in the episode where her earrings, her lucky earrings come into play. And it's a little weird that they were never mentioned before that, but whatever, you know, it's not the biggest deal in the world. For for me, it was exactly as weird as most of the things on this show. Exactly. It it didn't pull focus more than other things pull focus. (laughs) Right. But it, it was set up in this scene. Um, but also it does set up that like, there are things that Allison is referring to that Tom doesn't remember to this day. I'm not really sure whether it is that, uh, it's because it never happened or if it's because Tom's memory is going away from the last episode. There are a few times in this episode where Tom mentions his memories are coming back or he is losing his memories. 
and I, I don't know if it is referring to things that happened canonically or if it's just for the purpose of this episode because they're telling Tom, oh, all that stuff that you remember didn't happen. Instead, all this other stuff did happen. Sure, because the, because there's a reason for them to be talking about memories in this episode. Sure. That could be the reason he's saying that. It's a little confusing, and I wish by the end of the episode I knew for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And, and no I question. don't, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, so here's what I here's what I now think about this series. This is my new headcanon for the show. Yeah. In the last episode, he talked about how the things they did to JC were surgical and the things okay. that they did to him were electrochemical or something like that. Um, I like the idea that JC's transformation was more complete. Okay. But I got to imagine it was prohibitively expensive. Hmm. And so I now have a new theory that, that basically they are testing out with Tom a new form of compliance. And he is the pilot program for the cheaper version that takes longer, but could be mass produced. That's my new theory for the show. That's how okay. that's where I would go with the show. So they don't care about the negatives They're They care about when he breaks yeah. because with JC, they can do this very expensive surgical procedure and get him to break right away. And he, you know, goes and goes and does all the things that, that, that they want. Sure. Um, but Tom Vale is basically if they can break Tom Vale, they can break anybody. Once they like, if they can break Tom Vale, they 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 they, they could do it anywhere. They could do it with anybody. There's there's in this in this in world, there's nobody stronger than Tom Vale. So yeah. if they beat him, they win. Okay. And if they can mass produce what they've done to him, they win. So I like that as as the reason why they don't actually go get the negative so much of the times, and why it's just like for them, it's a MacGuffin. Like it's an it's a diegetic MacGuffin. It's like a, it, it's, it literally doesn't matter. They don't actually need the 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 negatives for anything. Yeah, yeah. Then what they should do? Here's what here's I'll <laughs> tell you what they should do, especially in this episode. Okay. Tell that to Tom, because number one, they'll get him to realize how futile it is for him to resist because they've been tricking him all along. And then number two, if they actually do want the negatives. It's a great bluff because then he's going to be like, oh, shoot, why do I care about these negatives then? And then they can easily get the negatives from him. Have a have a booth outside that's like, hey, give us some <laughs> negatives and we'll give you a, a hot meal or something. And I'll be like, well, I don't, I don't care. Here you go. Have a psychic kid that's like, hey, got some negatives, mister. <laughs> anyway, um, wait till wait till next episode and see what you think about the negatives. Steve. Okay. Um, okay. Interesting. I'm I'm, in, I'm very intrigued I mean, now. I've I've said f- since a long time ago that there was like some revelation about the negatives that comes like right at the end of the show. That's like, how oh. did you not know this? How did you <laughs> never take a look at the negatives a single time and realize this? But anyway, we'll get to that next. Okay. Time, so there's a th- okay. Interesting. Um. So anyway, they're 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 driving home, and uh, Allison is noticing how Tom is. He's very standoffish she's very suspicious she asks if this is how it's going to be and tom says the last time he saw allison she was working against him and we keep cutting back to footage of the pilot also he referenced he verbally references it's not so much a, such a wonderful life tom incredulously offers up that maybe this was part of the nightmares from his coma like even he doesn't believe it and allison says that there's no them there's no enemy. It's just you and me like always. To which Tom says, you and I have different views of always. 
So Allison asks, if his dreams were real, why is she here? How does he explain all of this? Tom says he doesn't know. Just because he can't explain something doesn't mean that the opposite is the truth, which I think is a very important thing for anybody to believe. Just because just because you can't explain something doesn't mean that, you know, the crazy and wild opposite is true. Sure. And if this was a show about, like, pluralism of ideas, <laughs> that'd yeah. be great. Yeah. Uh, my problem with this scene was, like, explain it yeah like like don't be like i don't know how to explain it like (laughs) the the explanation is they're lying to you that's the explanation the explanation is like the last couple of times i saw you you are pretending that something other than reality is reality what 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 do you mean i can't explain it like (laughs) you you can't explain it yeah that's why you're suspicious it's like when we're playing D &D and i say who can say in response to a question that clearly I would know the answer to. I just don't want to tell you. Right. And Jeff will bat back. You, you can say. And so I thought it was you. I thought you bat back with that. Maybe I, I, but we both do. We both (laughs) do at this point. (laughs) It's it's been enough years. We both do it. So yeah, I, I think it could be a very interesting show if it was about, just because you can't prove something doesn't mean that the opposite is true. That's that's an interesting concept. Sure. Um, I I think it it deserves more. I think I think really important ideas get boiled down to cool lines in this show sometimes, and yeah. that's 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 my take on this one. Here. I just feel like that's such a big concept that it deserves more than a Tom quip. Yeah. Yeah. But you're but you're not wrong. It's a good. It's a worth. It's worth thinking about. Right. And so Allison says, "You're telling me your opening isn't true either." Giggity. Uh, there's then a breaking glass sound, and Tom says, "Is there? What I missed opening? that. It's. I mean, it's not a breaking. It's the breaking glass sound they've used for the last oh, I got maybe you. ten episodes, where it's like the more half breaking glass, sound. half uh, half like a like a xylophone almost, or like a wind yeah, chime, yeah. right? And he says, "What opening? Apparently, there's his photo exhibit from the pilot hasn't happened yet." Allison says she didn't want to cancel it because she thought it would be bad luck. And this is this is one of those things that the more you think about it, it's like, wait, what? Because what she's saying is that it was scheduled and they never canceled it. But he's supposedly been in a coma for three months. So you're telling me he got into a coma three months passed and they're like, no, let's still keep it on the schedule just in case he wakes up. And then he did wake up and they said, OK, you got to be in in. Uh, you got to be in physical therapy for a week. He probably tried to break out a few times and they were still like, you know, let's keep that date. Luckily he woke up. We have faith. He'll be out of the hospital in time to make this opening. And then I just wish that she would have said like, oh yeah, when we found out that you were out, of, came out of the coma, we rescheduled it. You know, we scheduled it for whatever. We thought you'd be up and, and capable. It's just Fair real enough. goofy that she's like, oh, we didn't want to cancel it. It's like, what are you talking about? You don't want to cancel it. He, He's been in a coma for three months. I, 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 my interpretation of it was, if she had said it like this, maybe yeah. I didn't, not, not, not for luck or however she was saying it, but like if she was like, I couldn't cancel the opening because then it would have made the coma real. Okay, then, then that's, say that's how. I, say we kept having we, I kept rescheduling it because I kept hoping you would come out, you you would pull through. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Know. Absolutely. Yeah. Because for me, it was just it was a nice moment of this affecting her okay which needs to be a part of this episode if if there's ever going to be a point where you believe she's not an operative of the organization yeah 
which is an important aspect of if you're if you just you know throttle straight to 10 and go oh nope this is nothing yeah. the entire episode then there's no point to the show there has to be some give and take where maybe even if you're like no it obviously can't be you have to at least be be entertained by something you have to be like oh they're doing they're doing a good one yeah i see how he could get sucked into this sure um, so for for that purpose it would be nice for her to have a line like that but you're right that's a sure as as written it, it's a little weird yeah yeah absolutely um, so they stop the car at a crosswalk near some construction where a police officer is directing traffic and Tom starts getting like visibly uncomfortable and it flashes back to when Allison turned him over to the cop in the pilot where she said she didn't know him uh, and he looks like he's getting car sick after they start moving again he tells Allison to stop the car she says she can't because she's in traffic but the next shot like she clearly is not in traffic uh, <laughs> he almost jumps out of the moving car so she she swerves the car people honk their horns she stops he jumps out and he runs away nearly getting hit in the process he just he just books it he just takes it off oh yeah 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 um, it, this is a little mini car accident yeah yeah so uh, the next scene is Tom in at his gallery. He climbs up the ladder and he climbs in through the window. And I said in last last time in the Callaway episode, I would have really liked if they cut back and forth between where Tom was in that episode and where he was in the pilot. Yeah, they do exactly that in this episode. And it is awesome. I love mm-hmm. it. Many times they have Tom doing the exact same thing in both in both scenes. I love it. It's so well done. And so one of those is in the pilot, he broke in through the window here. Maybe he had his keys. Maybe he didn't, but I imagine he broke in the window to see if he could or, or something. I don't know, but he breaks in the same way that he did in the pilot. Well, okay. You, you know how in the last episode you were talking, it was the last episode, whatever episode where you were like, what is the security of this place? Yes. Callaway. Yeah. So I, I would, the the way I've been interpreting whenever he breaks in and they don't explain it is just like okay he's used to this yeah right yeah if if they had made that explicit though that you know like you had said if he said something like oh your security is shit you know or or sure. or, or whatever um it would be I don't know which I'd rather see more Tom just walks in could be cool because. You know, he did that in the in the pilot also, and there was yeah. just a different person at the reception. Sure. Um, this is obviously the more dramatic of the two. I, I there is a line in here where somebody I don't know if it's Larry or if it's Allison, but says, "This isn't you, Tom," and he says, "Well, maybe it's who I'm becoming." Yeah, yeah, Larry. That's if they the had Larry, if they had wrapped that idea around, I, I almost wish. It was it was explained why he goes in through the window. Sure. If it was something about, you know, it's 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 now more second nature for him to come in through a window than through the front door. Sure. Um, Because I think that is the character. And and, uh, but but and if he was doing voiceovers, I think that's maybe something that he would have said during a voiceover during that time. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I I think the reason is is just to to cut between the the two episodes. Yeah. um, So this episode kind of fits along with, of course, it fits along with It's Not Such a Wonderful Life. It also fits with Father as being episodes that really show how hard it would be for Tom to adjust to success. If he won, whatever whatever a win state would be, Yeah. um, I imagine Tom would act like this regardless because that's just how he's been conditioned to act. And yeah, yeah, the episode really leaned more into that. 
it doesn't really because he's he goes straight to 10 every time he's hostile with Allison. The only time he starts right. acting friendly towards Allison is when he is explicitly trying to fool her. It is made clear to the audience he is trying right. to play along. So I it is hard to get invested in maybe this is real. Because at this point, you know it's definitely not. And then by the time maybe it would seem like it was real, the show itself isn't even trying anymore. It's like, no, no, no. We, we know it's not real. You know, and so it, it this does feel a bit misguided at times for that reason. I, I think it could have been a great moment if Tom was sad and I say disjointed. That's not the right word. Uh I think it could be a nice moment if if Tom was sort of a broken man coming through the window. If it was okay. If it if it had been, we have seen evidence of him trying trying. Like you're like that's a great point. Yeah. If this episode had been say not called zero minus ten and was called Win State or that's not <laughs> sure, a great sure. name either. But if that was the idea, right? Yeah. If the idea was he has to confront the fact that even if he is able to win. Mm-hmm. He he can't just unbecome the man that 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 this has made him into. Yeah, and for him to be starting, this is what the the week of physical therapy actually I could have just been a great. Thinking the exact same thing, yeah. <laughs> like that. That's a great point. Like we really need to see him recovering and trying to. In many early episodes, you would ask me, "Is is he being faithful to Allison while he's yeah. boning this other woman?" I don't know, and. I think I think after it's not such a wonderful life, he he is no longer faithful to Allison, which is when he should have been boning all of the women. Get get all your yeah. boning episodes after that one, but before this, right. and then that makes sense. Uh, actually, I would have liked to have seen that. I think that that would have made all of those relationships interesting. Okay, because then they're not like tempting him with a replacement to Allison while he's still faithful to Allison. That's boring. After yeah. he has given up on Allison, make it make it explicit that he's given up on Allison. And is is trying to be open to, all right, Allison's not real. What is real? Yeah. If Allison's not real, what am I doing all this for? Mm-hmm. Which I think is a question needs to be asked by this episode a yeah. little bit better. Because he's talking about how oh, I just have to keep going. It's, the, the, my truth is my only way out. And it's like, all right. No, it isn't. But okay. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, but yeah, if he had gone through that window... And, like, Allison was there because she knew he was going to be there and, like, has a blanket for him and, like, acts like someone who is taking care of a PTSD, mm-hmm. um, you know, family member. Yeah. Um, that would have been great because it would have been like, oh, my God, she's so great for him. And then she turns on him. Mm-hmm. That's fascinating. But if it's just, you know, the, the Tom is pissy about something hour. It's Yeah. And a- another thing is that. Allison, I mean, okay, I'll just say let's let's assume that uh, that that this is not all a ploy, and that Tom is he did just have a bad accident, and Allison is so happy to have him with him. She very quickly gets uh, she very quickly gets fed up with his suspicion and his hostility. I can yeah. definitely understand. I would never envy someone in a position like hers. However, it is so quick. That she does stop being happy to have him back and start being, you know, frustrated with with how difficult he is. Eventually, yeah. yes, definitely sh- everybody in that situation would eventually get frustrated. 
But because we didn't see the week of him <laughs> acclimating, all yeah. we are seeing, you know, assuming, let's give the writers credit, and maybe they had in their mind what happened during that week. We don't see that. All we see is after a week, and he's, he's, he's completely, like, it's like the first scene we see of the two of them together is with him, her being like, oh, is this how it's going to be? Yeah. And we did we didn't see any lead up to that. And it, again, it really does this episode a disservice because we didn't get to see any of that. We're just being thrust into the 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 emotional climax, I guess. Yeah, yeah. And w- the the woman playing Allison does a great job mm-hmm. as a performer. She she's one of the she's probably it's 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 great that she was cast strongly. Yeah. If it had been a weak person as the wife, I think the show we probably wouldn't be doing a, a podcast, honestly. I think I okay. think that would have been just enough to push us into know the show is bad. Sure. Um, I think she's a she's a core component of giving a damn about the show. So to not give her like on screen opportunities to 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 be loving and caring, um, yeah, I feel a little robbed. I feel a little yeah. robbed. I I I I guess we can imagine that they were happy during during that week of. That honeymoon week of physical therapy. Sure. Um, But at the same time, I feel like that's when Tom would have been the most suspicious. With Tom, it doesn't, it's like the week didn't happen. We're picking up exactly where he just woke up and he's suspicious of everything. With Allison, it's like the the honeymoon period has already ended. You know, Mm. this, this would have been so good as a two-parter. Where the the first part is his week of recovery. And then the second half is when he... He's finally accepted that maybe this is real and then it all comes crashing down. Yeah. Yeah. You cliffhanger like because you could you could have this wonderful episode mm-hmm. where basically he gets everything he wants and you know as a viewer that this can't be real. Yeah. But just like when I say this is a joke and I do a long enough preamble to my joke <laughs> that you forget that I told you this is yeah. a joke and then you get trolled by me. Yeah. You could do that in this show. And in the last 10, eight, five minutes something is very clear that oh no it's not real and then yes as a two part then it's an immediate follow episode where it's him getting out of this spider's web but then the problem is they did the first half of that and it was called it's not such a wonderful life <sighs> yeah well yeah yeah and like but then they reset Allison and made it they, pretend like yeah they salted the earth they they backed out and they ruined any chance of of going anywhere with that the writers and the organization you you're know? right you're right you're right you're right okay yeah so Tom's in his studio he goes straight for the vent where originally in the pilot he hid the negatives um, and he opens it up and nothing is inside. Cuts back and forth because he's he's now he's in view of the windows that got shot out in the first episode. And so it cuts back and forth with those. We then he hears a noise and in walk two police officers and he he gets hostile, but not like he's not like, you know, threatening them with a weapon. But he he tries like uh, pulling authority on them. He's like, hey, you can't be in here. Get out of here. This is private. And. They're like, hey, look, we're not here to arrest you or anything. Your wife sent us. She's worried about you. We're just here to take you home. Um, and so Tom goes along with it's them. It's like an off-screen Allison being kind moment. Yeah. It's like an implied Al- Yeah. I like that this moment happened. I don't like how it happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
So uh, they take Tom back to his house, and this is the first time he's been here since the pilot, since since he showed up and a guy at the front door threatened to, to blow a hole in his leg. Yeah. Um, but he he gets up there. He goes into the building. The, you know, the door opens. He goes inside. And Allison frustratedly tells him that no matter what, she's his wife. She loves him. But she asks him, please, not to do anything like that again. She also apologizes. She says this has been hard for her, too. Again, I totally understand the type of position someone like her would be put in in this. Uh, she goes to hug Tom, hug Tom, but he is a bit standoffish still. He walks around the living room. He's suspicious of everything. He comments on how, like, oh, everything looks the same as it used to. After all, it's only been three months, right? And, you know, like to us as a viewer, we know that's because, at least as of last episode, it's been nine months since all this all this started. But, uh, um, you know, to Allison, presumably it has only been three months. Uh, Tom asks Allison what the game is. After all, uh, um, all this here at the house, the hospital... Being back a few days before this all started, you know, back before the pilot, he asks what she has to gain. While they're talking, in walks a familiar face, Larry Levy, Tom's lawyer friend, who uh, we met in the pilot. He met some chick at some art floozy at Tom's exhibit and then <laughs> left with her. Later on, Tom goes back to his goes back to Larry's place after escaping uh, Callaway and finds Larry's dead body in the closet. Um, and, uh, as, as Larry comes in and smiles and, and greets the two of them and asks who called the cops, we flash back to Tom finding the dead body. And, uh, you know, we understand the, like, this is, this has got to be a huge surprise for Tom. Uh, Allison's super friendly. She says, oh, it's great to see you. I wish you would have called first. And Larry says, oh, and give you time to pack and move away. Larry has a lot of quips in this episode. Also, every other line that he has or that someone has about him is about his sexual prowess. Yeah. There's a lot of that. Um, he greets Tom and goes to shake his hand. Tom recoils, but then Larry's, uh, he's surprised, but he makes a joke about forgetting to shower. He realizes how freaked out Tom is. So Larry says that he heard Tom was home and thought he'd be glad to see him. Tom isn't buying it. He saw Larry dead after all, but Larry explains he just came back from Venezuela. Not that there's much of a difference says Larry. Allison tries to explain to Larry that Tom was having nightmares and having trouble separating reality from fantasy. And then she leaves the room. Larry says he called almost every day. And Tom acts like he, he acts like this was not a personal thing. He's like, Oh, were you afraid you were going to lose a client? And Larry's like actually hurt by this. He's like, dude, I, I thought we were friends. Yeah. And so Tom, Tom immediately starts grilling him about their past, how they met, where they went after winning a copyright case what he was doing in South America. And then he asks them how to make a kamikaze kid, uh, which is a cocktail, I guess. I'll get to that in a second. At first, Larry seems unable to answer, but then he manages to recall each answer to Tom's question. So he answers all of them. And there's this moment where Tom realizes that maybe he's been wrong. Maybe this actually is Larry Levy. And he's really struggling with this as we cut to commercial. Now, I did try looking up a kamikaze kid, uh, there is not such a cocktail. At least it's not a a you know one that you'd find online. There yeah. is one called a kamikaze, but it doesn't have any of the ingredients that he lists. Okay. But I did find kamikaze kid in two other things. There was an episode of Quantum Leap in 1989, which did okay. have uh, Gus from the uh, uh, Rob Roy episode was on Quantum Leap. Okay. Okay. Uh, also, there was a wrestler in 1993 that went by the name Kamikaze Kid. 
maybe it was just they they needed the name of a cocktail. So oh, put in that episode of uh, of of you know the, the name from that episode of Quantum Leap or something. Maybe one of the the someone on the staff worked on that episode too. I didn't actually check or something. Maybe someone was a wrestling fan. I don't know. I, I mean, I've seen that done uh, to the best of my knowledge. 30 Rock had a joke cocktail that then Mad Men used because there, okay. were, there were like two different times that they that they intertwined their worlds. There is there's a, there's a tangent, but I, as a tangent, I want to go on. Um, have you ever heard of the character Tommy Westfall? I don't think so. Uh, have you ever heard of the TV show St. Elsewhere? Yes, I know St. Elsewhere. It was like a soap opera or something in the... Early it's a 80s, hospital show, Hos- hospital yeah. drama, something. Yeah, um, it's it, it was one of the first um, ensemble cast shows, to the best of my understanding. Like basically, yeah. it used soap opera format in a dramatic way. It was one of the first people that did that. Sure, sure. To, to well, the best of my understanding, um, I main I never watched it. I mainly know about it because of this thing I'm about to mention. If you Google the Tommy Westfall universe, oh, are you familiar with is that? This, I think is this the thing where it was a dream at the end? Well, so um, the the idea goes off of how there are so many shows that share a continuity, whether intentionally or unintentionally. There are shows that literally had a character from another, you know, another character shows up on their show as like a guest spot or whatever. Or sure. there will be a brand of in in your case, in the case you mentioned, a cocktail or like yeah. a brand of cigarettes or something that is fictional. I know. I know Heisler uh, beer in okay. in in a number of of shows. I saw it first on on New Girl, but they actually called it out. He was like, "You want a Heisler?" And he goes, "Yeah." And I was like, "Is that a beer?" And I googled it, and it's just it's a prop that they have a lot of, and it's in yeah. a lot of shows. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think Red Apple cigarettes is another one. Like I think that was what the smoking man on X Files uh, smoked, but like other shows have used Red Apple cigarettes too. And okay. if you were to you know, draw all these to the logical conclusion, you end up with like a thousand TV shows that all share the same universe because, sure. you know, St. Elsewhere had, you know, had this one character who is mentioned on this other show. That show had a brand of beer that was mentioned on this other show. That mm-hmm. show had a guest spot from this other character and so on okay, and so on okay. and so on. And so last time I looked into this was probably 15 years ago, but there was like the huge network of you could, yeah. there was a website you could go to that had every single thing that was connected and you could look at what all of the references were. But the reason that this is tied to Tommy Westfall, Tommy Westfall was a character on St. Elsewhere. And at the end of spoilers for St. Elsewhere, this like 30 <laughs> or more than 30, this very, very old uh, TV show, in the final episode, you find out that the entire series has been basically a fever dream in the mind of the character Tommy Westfall. So the idea then is that all of these other shows that are share the same <laughs> continuity are also part of this kid's fever dream. And so there's so many shows that that have this, you know, are part of this quote unquote shared. I'm sure most of them were not at all intended to be so, but right, 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 it's just a, right. a fun little fan project that somebody started. Yeah. Um. Anyway, that's the again is a tangent, but I I figured it was worth <laughs> no, bringing up. Yeah, I think I think in this case the likelihood is that it's just they they came up with something that like it sounded va- like the the hold the parachute sounded vaguely like okay sure he's an investigative reporter goes into jungles and stuff I was like okay sure yeah it it, it seemed vaguely fitting for him so um so we have 
we've kind of danced around the idea of it, but I'm going to go ahead and spoil the ending of this episode. This is, in fact, a plot. Tom was not actually in in a coma for three months. Yeah. But this is a big thing that the more you think about it, the less sense it makes. And it's, it's relevant to the character of Larry Levy showing up. This forces us to assume two things. Number one, okay. that they made someone else look like Larry Levy and then killed him instead of killing off the actual Larry Levy who was not in on any of this stuff. And this the entire rest of this episode goes along with the idea that the, the Larry Levy Tom is talking to is the actual Larry Levy. From this moment where he, quote-unquote, proves himself by knowing various things about their past, which they could have gotten, I mean, some of that information. I don't I don't know. Whatever the case. Well, and like in Truman's show, yeah. they're feeding the, the lines to exactly. the friend. And there is a little bit of a delay for, for like, he could have been, he could have been, Larry could have been scrambling. Yeah. It fits, if I'm not mistaken, in the scene. Like, there's time for someone's got a binder open and he's going, huh? Right. Uh, uh, and then he, and then he quote unquote remembers yeah. how to how how to make such a such thing. So it at first it makes us assume that this is in fact the actual Larry Levy. This is not a double. They actually killed off a double, in fact. But also that Larry can be trusted to begin with. If Allison, his wife, was replaced sometime before the first episode, which again, this episode doesn't really make explicit, but it heavily leans into. How do we know that Larry wasn't a plant as well? The right. Larry that that you know that Tom does know could have been working for the organization, could have had a, a camera in his eye or something that right. would let yep. the organization know all of this stuff. I don't know how Tom, who is suspicious of everything, I don't yeah. know how this is suitable proof for him. And if so, why doesn't he do the same thing with Allison? Hmm. Well, like you said about the It's Not Such a Wonderful Life episode. Yeah. That they salted the earth. Yeah. He's never okay, going to believe okay. her again. Well, that's Since that's Larry a lesser was, part of my argument, I guess. It's, I know. No, I'm just, I mean, I, 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 my sense about the thing with Larry was he's already made up his mind about Allison. Yeah. But if Larry's there, maybe, maybe Larry's real. I have a question about months. Well, so that's another thing. Um he says that he was in South America. I, I'm pretty sure he says he was in South America for three months, but it's been nine months since what, the beginning of the show. That's what I remember. So either this is a huge gaffe on the writer's part, or they want us to assume that it has only been three months and maybe he thought it was nine months because of nebulous memory issues. I honestly don't know which one yeah. is supposed to be the case. Yeah, like, like that. That's a huge. I, I kept. I think it is a. It is part gaff at the very least. Even at the very least, it is executed gaff style. Even yeah. if it was intentional, because check a newspaper. I have in all caps. Yeah, like it, eventually he does get his admittance form for the hospital and compares mm -hmm. it to something they have in a box. Yeah, and he's able to go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was right. I wasn't here for three months. I've been here for three days. But like, there are newspapers. I know you can't check the date on your phone because that hasn't been invented yet, but there are newspapers. 
find out what date it is. And he, and he sees a date and he yeah. doesn't go, you he know, doesn't, he doesn't second check. He doesn't, he doesn't, uh, uh, do a, um, he doesn't double check the date. He checks it at one location that is most definitely not a credible location. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Also for the negatives to be in that locker and they found him in that locker. Now that you've said that, like they would have the negatives. Oh, it's more than that, Steve. Okay, we'll we'll we'll, we'll, we'll continue linearly we'll continue. and we'll get there um, on time. Well, but I, I will say one thing that I would have loved if this show had good continuity. Yeah, a great way to completely eliminate any any uh, uh, ambiguity Suspicion. in Tom's mind about this episode. Contact his freaking dad. He okay. visited his dad more than three months ago. <gasps> he knows where his dad lives. He may not have, I'm sure he doesn't have the number, but he can, he can look up the number or, or something. Yeah. No operator. I'd like a number for a so-and-so in such and such. Like, yeah. Numbers weren't private. Yeah. They were listed in the phone book. I would love if Tom is so desperate for some proof that he is willing, his only choice is to look at the last time he was also so desperate for some truth, some proof. He never quite found the proof, but he felt better about that than he feels about this. Yeah. It's like, I have this terrible enemy in front of me. I don't have any allies. Let me go to the second worst enemy and see if they'll work with me. I would have loved to call back yeah. to that, even if it was just, oh, the number's been disconnected or something, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. never even comes into the question. Yeah. Yeah. Like they could account for it. The actor wouldn't have needed to come back. They could have dealt with it some way, but yeah. I had com- I had completely forgotten about that. And it sounds like some other people did too. <laughs> yeah. And I, I had to think of it because that's what I would, that might be my favorite episode of the show. So and it deals with such similar themes to this episode. He's he's just as hostile and suspicious of his dad in that episode, more or less, as he is in mo- yeah. of most of the characters in this episode. So it has to draw some kind of a comparison, you know. Let me ask you this, because I had this thought vaguely uh, in the last episode, but I didn't really voice it. Okay. Why do you think he trusts JC at the end? Like, he's trying to free JC, and under the guise that, like, the other patients screwed them over more, he's like, I'm going to trust that JC is real and not a plant. The I'm not really basing this off much, but I feel like he could tell when talking to JC, and JC was, like, was grappling with the same stuff that he grappled with. Yeah. I imagine it was just, he could f- he could feel that this guy was genuine when, when he st- was starting to to realize that maybe his his life was a lie. So maybe with Larry, we just needed something a lot more genuine than yeah, remembering a drink order. Sure. You know, that 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 if they could have written something that was cuz what is Larry? He's his agent? Or he's his a he's his lawyer. Okay. Cuz he he so, mentions that he helped him with a uh, copyright case. Right. Um like it's it would be difficult to get a heartfelt moment out of this guy because they're just like he loves women, <laughs> yeah. like that's number one. Larry His loves women. His voicemail is like, "Hey, if you're a sexy lady, leave a message." And it's like you're a lawyer, dude. <laughs> <laughs> so it would be difficult to get that out of him, and they yeah. didn't establish any other characters because even though the intro says I had everything. A wife, Allison. I had friends. No, you were friends with your lawyer. What the hell? Yeah. You, know, you had one friend and it was your, your womanizing lawyer. Um. So, yeah, I have no idea how they could have accomplished that. But I think 
Yeah, if they could have, I like the idea of him confiding in Larry. Yeah. It's just how they justify it is is paper thin. The whole episode, I'm thinking, yeah, this is the friend in uh, in the Truman Show. He got into Tom's good graces, and, and so Tom just is acting the entire episode like he is genuine and can be trusted. But the whole time, I'm thinking he's feeding stuff to the organization, and that becomes very problematic as this episode goes on. Well, I definitely allowed myself the possibility that, like, that while I felt it was likely that Allison was lying, I, I, I allowed, I, I watched it with the possibility that Larry was genuine. Okay. So we'll see how that changed what 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 we watched because for me sure. to watch it as like, you know, I, I don't know what the hell they're doing with the three months or the nine months, but yeah. let's say Larry's genuine. Okay, sure. You know, it was nice for him to have a friend because we talk mm-hmm. about how he doesn't get the opportunity to talk with people. I always love it when he, you know, does trust someone, even if it's ill-advised. Yeah. Um, When Larry shows up, it's unannounced. And he does say this really weird line about, I needed to show up, you know, I wanted to show up before you, you know, picked up and moved or, or whatever. Oh, I mean, that was a joke. That was like, oh, you guys hate me. So if I called you, you would have packed up and moved. But what if that isn't a joke? Like, what if oh. they leaned into that? What if they lean into that? It's, it's in the oh. bones of the script. So what if he has tried to show up and Allison has actually moved? What if that's meant to be like, they don't ever canonize yeah. this properly, but they could set it up that, that he did actually try to show up once. Yeah. And they had completely emptied out that house or someone else was living there. That would yeah. have been a better way for legitimizing Larry as someone who isn't part of all of this. However, the problem is then the evidence is he was hoodwinked by the organization. So you, so in order for Tom to take that as evidence, yeah, he has to he has to be explicit about Allison not being real. Sure. So they needed they needed to handle that better. Like if 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 there was never a chance that Tom was going to trust Allison. Mm-hmm. I don't know how you write this, but yeah. like it's it's as if the show is here's what it, here's what this episode feels like. Yeah, a video game where the player is choosing the dick option every time. The be <laughs> yep. a dick option. Yep. Like it feels like they were like no one's like two percent of the population is going to choose these options. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna basically angle the story towards you believe Allison. Press but, X we, to we, doubt. We, yeah, X to doubt. We will leave this option here for a few people who will do some funny YouTube videos where they show you what happens when you choose. I'm under the impression that when the uh, the Bioware, who's an RPG company, made a, a number of role playing games with where they would, and I could be wrong about this, but this is my understanding is that they 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 would give a lot of options to the player. Mm-hmm. An overwhelming majority of players, like in the 90s yeah. percent would choose the the be a good guy option. Yeah. And so it makes it much harder to justify doing a good job on the evil route when, you know, 6% of your audience is going to choose that route. Sure, sure. That's what this feels like. That feel it feels like they they just they they kept the story move like when you punch an NPC and and they don't know that you punched them. That's what that's that that's noise? how <laughs> that's how they the people she's responding. Yeah. If you could have from the start, like if like you said about how we already had part one of the two part series mm-hmm. where, you know, Tom, Tom wakes up to this. He did sort of give in or seem like he was given in 
in It's Not Such a Wonderful Life. Sure. Because I really like him being friends with Larry. That's how I interpreted it. Mm-hmm. If you could have opened with, you know, Tom and Larry go off together and Larry does explain this stuff within like five minutes. Yeah. Within within 10 minutes, within the, within the, within the first bit of the show. And so Tom explicitly knows that this is a trap, mm-hmm. but trusts Larry. Yeah. Um, I think that's a more interesting episode, but they keep playing it off as if like, oh, what's going to happen? <laughs> what's going to happen? Is it real? It can be real. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. Tom, Tom like, doesn't, no, we know. Tom doesn't get hard proof until like 10 minutes before the end of the episode. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's like five minutes before yeah. the, end of the episode. So either do it again. But I feel like even if they did a really great job, because I've forgotten about that, that they've already done the he gets to be back with Allison episode. Yeah. So it's sort of a fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice, shame on me. Mm-hmm. So realistically speaking, he shouldn't he shouldn't be acting any way other than other than this. But then, what the fuck is this episode? As you said, it's it's less and less plausible as we as we go on from yeah, lots of different angles. What? Why don't we continue and see where it falls next? <laughs> sure. So uh, the next morning, we see the outside of the house, and a kid rides by on a bike. It's a reference to in the first episode when uh, Tom has the dream where he wakes up at home and a kid rides by on a bike. And then at the end of the episode, a kid rides by the crossroads on a bike. And the director in the commentary was like, oh, that's a callback to whatever. And it's like, (laughs) okay, it's sure, whatever. (laughs) I was going to say at some point in here, I have somewhere in the notes that like I did remember that there was the dream sequence Mm -hmm. um, in the first episode. Yeah. I now canonized that. I now had canon that as... That maybe wasn't just a nightmare. That was maybe the first effects mm. of his electrochemical programming. Okay. If they had said that in an episode, I would have liked it more. <laughs> but, yeah. you know, I take what I can get. So, the Nowhere Man campaign setting. Make a story for yourself. <laughs> fill in the blanks on your own. It's a mad lib. Yep. So Tom comes down the stairs and he hears Allison on the phone with someone. He sneaks to the second receiver and listens in. The man on the other line seems to be asking Allison if she wants to go ahead with the plan, but she keeps saying she hasn't decided. After she hangs up, Tom walks into the room and asks who she was talking to. She dodges the question, but eventually says it was Ben, Tom's assistant at the gallery. I think uh, the way she responds is is very Truman Show-like, though. Okay. She she stalls for time. She goes, oh, it was nobody. And he yeah. sort of goes, well, that wasn't really an answer. And she goes, that was Ben. Like, yeah. there's enough of, like, to my recollection, there's enough of a pause that it also feels like she's being fed. Sure. Uh, it's Ben. We'll get the assistant in, you know, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, that, that makes sense. Um, and this is the guy, the, the actor's name is Choppy Giot, I think is how it's pronounced. The character's name is Ben Dobbs. This is a guy that is listed on IMDb as being in the finale. And I- yeah. I I don't think so. He has such a small <laughs> part in this episode. I don't see what purpose bringing that character back would serve. Maybe I'll be wrong. I don't know. Maybe it's going to turn out he was all behind. He was behind everything. Yeah. He's the head of the organization. <laughs> <laughs> yep. You should have listened closer when I called on the phone. <laughs> so, um, uh, Tom asks what their plans are. Apparently she's trying to decide if it's a good idea to go ahead with the opening tonight or wait until the following day. There is a deleted scene here where Tom, uh, is still suspicious and suggests that maybe the gallery isn't ready for whatever trap they were setting for him. So they're trying to push it back, oh. which I think is an interesting detail, but like, 
it doesn't need to be in there. You know, yeah. ultimately it's the same thing regardless. So Tom, Allison and Ben go to Tom's gallery where all the photos are set up, like in the pilot episode. Um, and I, I will say before I get into what actually happens in this scene, apparently from the commentary, Bruce mentions that his parents were visiting while they were shooting this scene. And there's a, a part of the scene where you can see some risers set up in the back of the studio. And when they, during the other shots of that scene, they were sitting on those risers. So That's just, cool. just a neat little detail. They got to see his parents got to see him, you know, film this, uh, film the show. Uh, so when they reach the main set piece photo, we see that it is, it is not hidden agenda in the barbed wire frame. Instead, it's a photo of a woman and a child from Japan titled Displaced. Tom asks where it is. Allison and Ben don't know what he's talking about. Tom told them he wanted, apparently Tom told him he wanted Displaced to be the center of the show. Cutting back and forth with footage from the pilot, Tom knocks over the cam- cabinet of chemicals, which uh, had been replaced with coffee. He grabs the... Um, the, the a filing cabinet throws a bunch of files out because the filing cabinet was empty in the pilot. And then he grabs a bottle of flammable chemicals and asks Allison where she hid the photograph. He starts dumping the chemicals all over the place. Uh, Allison tells, tells Ben to go call the cops. Tom tells him not to move and he pulls out a lighter. He says he's done playing and he wants answers and he threatens to blow up the building and the car outside. I put in my notes. <laughs> Uh, cut to commercial. When we come back, Tom's still threatening to light himself on fire. And then Larry walks in. And this, again, is one of those Truman Show moments. He's freaking out. So they called up in the Truman Show. They called up his best friend. It was like, you got to show, walk in the door. Whatever you got to do, just get in there. And so he does. He gets in there. He diffuses the the situation. Um, Larry, of course, in Larry fashion, comes in. He's laughing about how they need more clown pictures. But then he, his face turns to horror when he sees what Tom's doing. He asks Tom what's going on. Tom says, he, t- he says, I took a photograph and it's gone. I don't even know what it's of anymore. All I know is that they want it, which I think is, there's a couple times in this episode where the, he does address the ambiguity surrounding the photograph at this point. And I liked those moments. I thought that was, uh, that was some of the, the better writing in here. Um, Larry tells Tom that this isn't who he is. And Tom says, maybe it's who I'm becoming. Larry says he always knew he could trust Tom. This isn't him no matter what. Allison tries talking him down, but it flashes back to her refusing to help Tom in the pilot. So Tom refuses to listen to her, but he puts away the lighter and leaves with Larry instead. Um, And then this next scene I have titled as that scene from The Truman Show. It is Larry and Tom taking a walk on a bridge. I think in The Truman Show, they're sitting on a bridge. Or something. I, I I think they're on a beach. Uh, that's Is what I remember. Beach? I thought they were sitting I up them on being something. On a be- uh, it could be. I think they're up on the. I think they're sitting on the top of the truck on oh, that maybe. is parked at, at the beach. But I could be wrong about that. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Uh, so they're walking on this bridge. Tom is explaining his predicament. He says the photograph is of four men being hanged. But he says he doesn't know why they want it. He doesn't even know if he took it. Uh, Larry says it doesn't make any sense and it's a crazy coincidence. It just happened to take place while he was in Venezuela for three months. So this is where Larry does mention he was only in Venezuela for three months. So again, it's like, what are they, what is the writer trying to say? If, if the amount of time, like let's, let's, let's assume the amount of time is the right amount of time. Okay. For, for this little bit right here. Okay. I, I think what you get with that is Larry went to Venezuela and for whatever reason, 
the organization does not have jurisdiction there. Okay. And so he wasn't someone they could co-opt for all of this. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, no, I, I can understand that. I'm. It's. It's just the amount of time. I'm not sure what the writer is trying to say about the amount of time. I. I totally understand that. Although, Tom, this is just a very weird plan for the organization to have. Because again, they. Tom says maybe they planned it that way. Like they scheduled all of this stuff to happen because Larry would be out of the picture at the time. I just don't understand why that was easier than just killing Larry. Especially if they can make someone look like Larry. We know they can. Tom vaguely references it here, but we know that they can make someone look like someone else. They've done it with people in the uh, Forever Young episode. So why was it easier to make someone look like Larry and then kill him and plan all of this stuff around the period of time that Larry was going to be out of town instead of just killing Larry or not killing Larry and then coming up with some other excuse for why Tom is gone? I mean, you've said this a couple of times. I want to address this. They don't have to have made someone who looks like Larry and then killed them. Okay. He could have been, you know, pretending to be dead. Okay. Or I mean, they, they could have they built st- a, you know, they could have made a cadaver look like Larry. They could have made a fake. I suppose. I, I feel like the dialogue is implying that that's what Tom thinks. Maybe, maybe that's just what I thought and I was reading into it. I, I don't know. I don't know. Like, like, because they could still, because even Larry, Larry being dead, spoilers, a second time. Yeah. Doesn't necessarily have to be actual Larry. I guess, guess, but then again, it's like, well, why not just kill him if you're going to fake killing him twice? Why is Larry so important? You know what I mean? (laughs) I do. I do know what you mean. (laughs) Um, Again, the the place I will will be taking the show from here is the easiest thing for me is Tom is a science experiment, not something that they that they actually want. Although you made it sound very much like I will not believe that. Well, I mean, I, I don't I don't know about that. It's it's basically yeah, we'll just so, something you said about the negatives. I'm like, let's see what you think. Next yeah. Time. Yeah. Um, so uh, if it's just an experiment on Tom, like the revelation that they didn't just erase Tom. Yeah. They didn't just like mechanically move all the things of, of his life they have changed him neurochemically somehow mm-hmm. that changes the entire show it does like they gloss over it in the last episode like it doesn't change the entire show yeah. but it changes the entire show yeah so for me i i have to then reroute all of the things through that so like larry's a variable they keep trying to account for okay or larry's or larry's the control like if they can convince Larry, I don't know. Like they yeah. need to do a better job of explaining it, but there's so much they could do with it. Sure. With the bones as they are, they could do a lot with Larry is real. Yeah. And it feels like they're trying to set it up and it just goes nowhere for for from for my money. It feels like yeah. it feels like Larry's supposed to be real. It seems like the episode says he is. Yeah, yeah. They just did it badly. <laughs> yeah. So when Tom is saying that they made somebody else look like Larry, uh Larry makes a joke about how desperate the guy must have been to uh, take a job that makes him look like him. And I, I like that kind of self-deprecating humor. And Larry has it's a it's a pretty good zinger, I guess he's got right here. Yeah. Yeah. Like when he's not doing zingers and he's actually like when we were saying, how do we make Larry genuine? More shit like that. Less womanizing. Yeah. 
is is probably how. So Tom does still eventually settle on that this is this is an elaborate ploy to get him to give up the negatives. But the problem is Tom doesn't remember where he stashed it. He doesn't really have any memory of the events that led up to him being in a coma. Um so Larry gives Tom some freaking amazing su- su- advice. <laughs> Just stop looking for it. Yeah. Obviously, this is a plot to get the negatives. Don't give it to them. You know, just just, just don't do it. But Tom says he doesn't like that idea at all. He says uh, he, he, he just he has to do it. He says this is something he can't give up on. I have in my notes, stop buying candles. No. <laughs> <laughs> yep. That is a reference to a meme where somebody is asking for budget or like budgeting advice and they list their monthly budget and it's like, you know, food, $200, whatever, $100, candles, $1,000. And then someone's like, just stop buying candles. And the response is no. (laughs) Well, (laughs) and I will use this probably for the rest of my life, honestly. Um, I feel like that's how you write tragedy genre. Okay. Is that basically you have Someone's a person given a solution and they just can't take it? Yeah, and and it's as simple as stop buying candles and they just keep going. No, <laughs> and because I like your thing about to do it better than than stop buying candles. No, it would need to be here's where you would have a discussion that you were talking about at the start of of our show today, which mm-hmm. is Tom can't accept any possibility of success. So even, even he, 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 he so much so can't accept it. He can't even pretend. Sure. He's talking about how that's all. And to that point, he, he, he couldn't even go a week without, uh, <laughs> without having an, an event. Um, yeah. Larry's like, you went through a week of physical therapy. Just do that for a year and get, figure <laughs> out what their plans are. Just bleed them dry. Their resources right. can't take this. Um, it would be nice for Larry, maybe instead of where I said we should have um, Allison bring him a blanket after he breaks in through the window. Maybe yeah. this is that moment. And it's Larry saying, can, can you even figure out what you're going to do if you succeed? You know, like like have a discussion yeah. where he he does start to realize he's completely trapped. That would be so nice for this show for someone to ask tom what is your plan <laughs> yeah. well and there kind of almost was except it was a girl uh who he had just met during this terrible this episode that i hated where you know he loses the negatives you know to this gang yeah he, he talks to the street girl is you know she kind of ab- approaches the subject and he's just yeah i i it's complicated it's it's, it's complicated yeah so, yeah, to have someone ask and then Tom answers and also it's someone who, you know, is mature enough to be asking that question is someone. The fact that they, you know, were able to get the guy back to play Larry. Yeah. Squandered opportunities of things they could have done. Like they never yeah. get people back in this show. And they're like. Ugh. Yeah. So um, there, there's a little bit, a little line here. Tom says, I know how it sounds. I'm not crazy. And then Larry responds, good, because I'm starting to feel like I am. And at this point, there's there's a noise, kind of like a thunderclap in the background. I don't know if this was supposed to be diegetic noise or if it was one of those like glasses breaking things. But Tom realizes he gave Larry an envelope when he came back from South America. 
and there was a copy of the negatives in that envelope. And Larry's like, oh, I have that in my my office safe. Let's go get it. You know, the proof is there. This is where I'm like, <laughs> clearly Larry is in with the organization. You just told them where the negatives are, Tom. What are you doing? This is the guy who does not trust anyone, even when they said, we've put the organization away. We've given you your wife back. We've given you your mom back. All you need to do when it is convenient for you, get us the negatives. He still did not trust them to give them the negatives. Yeah. He's just talking to the. There could be microphones anywhere. There could be cameras anywhere. And spoilers, there probably are. And he's like, oh, hey, there's a copy of the negatives in this location that is accessible right now. <laughs> I'm going to tell you where it is before we go there instead of going there and then saying what the importance of it was. So they hurry back to Larry's office. Maybe they hurry. I don't know. Maybe they took their time. And when they get there, it's already suspicious. The lights are all out. And Larry says, oh, that's funny. Someone turned the lights out. And then they go to turn them on. Oh, the breaker must have gone. Tom should be immediately like, yeah. I screwed up. This is all over. We are all dead because I guarantee they have the negatives already. Yeah. But yeah. like I wrote down, oh, this might be my smartest thing if Tom is playing them the way that he sometimes does. That would be so cool. But no. No, you're absolutely right. Like he absolutely. I love. No, we're all dead. Like that's 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 great. Yeah. That's that's what it should be. It, it takes them an embarrassingly long time to realize that the organization is behind this. Yeah. It's not when they show up and the power's out. It's not when someone is in Larry's office and has broken into Larry's safe. Yeah. Tom is sort of suspicious that the organization did it, but Larry's like, no, nah, no, nah, it's probably somebody. It's probably one of my clients trying to steal some evidence because that happens all the time. Well, yeah, it happens so frequently. It happened concurrent with this. <laughs> You know, this happens so much. It's not suspicious that's happening now. Right. Um, and there's also a moment here where when the power's gone out, Larry's like, hey, don't worry. You stay here. I'm going to go get the thing from my safe. If I were Tom again, because of how suspicious Tom is, Larry's gone. There is no Larry anymore. Whoever comes back is going to be someone else posing sure. as Larry. Sure. That's another thing that my mind immediately went to. And it is not even explored for a second. Yeah. Instead, Larry goes off. There's somebody hiding in his office who has broken into a safe. He he knocks he he punches Larry and then runs past Tom. Tom chases after him, but then the guy is armed. He fires, he shoots a gun at Tom, and Tom basically just lets him go. You know, understandable, but feels weird for Tom to just be like, "Oh, he, f he fired once. All right, <laughs> yeah, I got nothing. That's that's all I got. You know, it's you just it's my weird. Shoot one bullet towards me." Right. It's it's Curse. it's odd for Tom to give up so quickly, but whatever, that's that's the well, episode. Here's the thing. Yeah. It's odd for Tom to give up so quickly, but it's not when there's a cool moment burning a hole in their pocket, gotta get it out. Oh yeah. man. We're we're gonna say a cool line soon about how it's oh, I guess it's his move. Like clearly they are shoveling him towards this stupid thing yeah well so speaking of cool lines before we get to that uh sure. when they first show up at the building and the power's out larry's like oh don't worry i do my best work here in the dark did he say that because this guy has sex at work apparently <laughs> anyway so so 
they get back to the safe. Larry's going through the safe and, and uh, he says, oh, it's probably just somebody stealing evidence. But then he finds the envelope that Tom gave him, hands it to Tom. Tom pulls out some negatives and they are not the hidden agenda negatives. It is some negatives of him in a straight jacket from the pilot. We need to stop here for a second, Steve. Yeah, yeah. I'm guessing that this is where you got you where you came to your conclusion that they do not want the negatives anymore because they got the negatives. If their goal, we've talked for a long time about whether yeah. their goal was to get the negatives or destroy the negatives. Right. If their goal was to get the negatives, they just won. The show ends right here. They have the negatives. They found the negatives, replaced them with something else for cool line purposes, but they just got the negatives and Tom is not acting like they just got the negatives. Yeah. Every, they just beat Tom in contact when the guy infiltrated Tom's hotel room and stole the negatives, but then gave them back to him at the end of the episode. You pointed out that this was the first time someone managed to get the, the negatives from Tom. Someone managed to get the negatives from Tom again in this episode and they are not giving them back to him. So that definitely rules out trying to get the negatives as being their plan. Yeah. We The reason we weren't 100% on board with whether it was to destroy the negatives is because um, we, well, recently we had had some dis- disagreement about whether Tom was able to make copies of the negatives. Yeah, it's, un- it might it's have been unclear. Last it's, just, it's just, yeah, it's. Well, here he did. This was a copy of the negatives. Well, that's I I when 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 he said I made dupes of these, I was like, this is kind of the first canon time he refers to more than one negative yeah. that I can think of. Right. Um, I just think that what whatever the writer was going for, this scene throws such a huge wrench in the series, and this is a huge deal. This yeah. should be a huge deal, yeah. and it's passed over with. Well, what does this mean? It means it's my move. <laughs> right. No, 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 Tom. It means that you just failed this three or nine month struggle to keep the negatives from this organization. Yeah. You failed. They won. They can just kill you anytime they want to now, unless their plan is to drive you insane, I guess. I, I, the, when I started looking into the possibility that they don't care about hidden agenda, they care about what they've done electrochemically to Tom. Yeah. That was before this. Okay. It was, it was, um, it's in my notes before stop buying candles. <laughs> okay. It was, um, I just can't remember where I was or what I was doing before this whole thing started. So yeah. it, it was, it was based off of the idea that because he's in the late stages of whatever they've done to him. Mm-hmm. Now, they have this is why this episode is happening now and not some other time sure because because he is disoriented enough that they're able to mess with him more totally so this is the first time this would have been possible yeah that's yeah that's that's where i was coming from was the idea that basically they 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 have been trying to do it sooner Mm -hmm. but they have been playing as if they're going to succeed one way or another, which is what JC said, I think, in the in the previous episode. And certainly Bellamy says at the beginning, he says, you don't understand, people eventually comply. And we have yeah. assumed that they meant, that, that Bellamy meant, you know, pe- most people just give in, mm-hmm. right? But now, in the context of they are messing with people's brains, 
Yeah. Bellamy might have actually meant we have a 100% success rate. It's a question of how long it takes. Sure. Um, so that's when I started looking into the possibility of Tom is an experimental new... I mean, they've been trying a lot of different ways. They had the, the Alpha Spike. They've been doing yeah. the, the the television. Clearly, this is a, a an organization that cares about being able to control more people than they have been able to right now. And they are able to control a few people quite a bit. Sure. So... Um, I've been looking at it, and so that's why I started looking at it in terms of what if the whole point of Tom is he's maybe the last person he's 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 the he's the only person to have resisted this much the you know super broadband drug that they're that they're doing or or whatever the super sure. the, the 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 mass take over the world we become a hive mind treatment because mm-hmm. I think JC said. You know, you know, his time was like, what are they going to use it on? And Tom was like, anybody. Yeah. Um, you know, I, if you use that and meant it to mean not any single person, but they, they are going to mass produce the ability to control and, and, and um, take over people. Mm-hmm. They'll be they'll be unlimited. It's not that they can now just do whoever, whomever because they can do that now. They can they can they can grab an individual now. It seems like the organization is not. There's no one. Yeah. There's no one the organization can't get. It's a thousand people they can't get. Sure, is is where my brain started going with this. So, um, at this point, the way to keep going uh, would be that yeah, it's they have to destroy all the negatives. Except for that doesn't make any sense with the they don't give a shit about the negatives. Um, yeah, it would it would really matter. It's really gonna. It's really gonna come down to whether or not this can hold up in the way that they go about the next two episodes, which are the only ones left. So, um, yeah, man, I, you know, if they could have just decided some of this stuff, I understand not wanting to make a choice because, like, it could be cool that it could go otherwise. I there was a series that a guy I know was an actor for, and it was a, a, a small budget production done in the area with some grants from like Detroit. Okay. And, um, it was a sci-fi series and it was there. People stopped being able to have children. Okay. I, you know, I don't remember much beyond that. It was a sci-fi series and you know, the last people alive were the last people alive. Sure. And, the actor I knew was saying, I get kind of frustrated with the director because I get that he doesn't want to tell the audience exactly when this happened. But when you probe him about when did this happen, about some of the math, yeah, it's like he hasn't done the math and he doesn't want to. And he's afraid that if he does, it'll ruin the magic because, but like he needs to know and then just not to tell, not tell the audience yeah. in order to do this properly. Um, I understand the allure of it is more fun when a story could go one way or the other. It's like, oh, it could be this or it could be that. By the time you are writing, we talked last episode about having shot some things in advance and then writing a scene to to match up with it. Mm -hmm. You can still have some amounts of creative freedom if you get very good at writing. You, You won't be handicapping yourself by putting down some definite roots about about if they had made a decision about the negatives ahead of time mm-hmm. i don't think the show would be worse 
I don't think so either. I think they feel like the show could have been worse, though. It, it yeah. feels so much like it was this sacred thing of let's not figure that out because that's going to that's gonna hurt the magic. Yeah. Well, the thing is here, we can see what the finished product was. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. We can say, well, what we got wasn't great. So what you could have been probably wouldn't have been worse. Yeah. I, I can understand someone without having seen the finished product saying, well, I don't know how this is going to turn out. It's probably going to turn out awesome. Right. Yeah. You yeah. Know. Yeah. This is us Monday morning quarterbacking a bit. Um, but it is so but I would say for us going forward, this show makes me more inclined to be very, very wary of not nailing down key plot points, at least for myself. Sure. There are many times where I'm like, I wanted to go this way, but I wanted to go that way. And instead of not making that decision, I'm going to start forcing myself to make that decision because at because I can still make something interesting happen that that is yeah. an homage to the other way the story could have gone. But this this thing where they didn't choose, this could have been a very cool episode. And you're right. I didn't, you know, I I, I so quickly breezed past the fact that they, they must have the, the negatives because the yeah. show doesn't address it at all. Yeah, yeah, I know. The the show moves on as if like, oh, there weren't any like, negatives there. Spoilers for the end of this episode. The end of the episode is Allison trying to get the negatives from Tom. Right. To which I have to ask, why doesn't she have the negatives already? Yeah. Did someone else from the organization get them? She's just trying to get a second copy. Like they got the negatives. Yeah. If it had been Tom was... The thing is, Larry knew about the negatives. He was like, oh, yeah, I have those. He wasn't like, what? Yeah. You st- you hid these in my office? <laughs> right. Yeah, there's no way out. There's no way out on this one. They just, they just, they gaffed bad. Yeah. I don't, I have no way to solve this one. The, the only solution is that the negatives weren't actually in that envelope, but the episode never tells us that. Yeah, like there's no, why would Tom have... Given or, fake hey, negatives to, yeah. I've got it. Okay. The guy that was in the office stole the negatives. Tom chases after him and he gets blown up or something. The The negatives he had on him get destroyed. Okay. That is the only way for the rest of the episode to go the way that it goes. Yeah. Sure. And like, that's better than he shoots one bullet in Tom, at Tom and Tom goes, oh, shucks. Yeah. Because they're in It's Not Such a Wonderful Life. Somebody is chasing Tom and in, in a truck and trying to run him off the road. Their truck hits another car and explodes. So, like, there is precedence for <laughs> yeah. someone getting killed and Tom not being on the hook for it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, you saw the deleted scenes. That was a deleted scene, right? That they uh, oh, put it is, in for oh, the shoot, it was on the other disc. There's a, <laughs> another disc. Yeah. I, well, we will likely come back to this as as it is one of the biggest problems in the story so far yeah um with our remaining two episodes left we will try to find a way to make it make any kind of sense so uh with with tom realizing that oh the ball's in my quarter it's my move or whatever it cut to commercial uh we come back and larry is they're, they're driving in larry's car um larry's trying still trying to reason it out he says maybe they took maybe tom took the photo of himself and didn't realize it um you know, like he's using like a timer, like maybe he took the photo of, of himself and that's how he got a photo of himself in a straight jacket. He doesn't, you know, he doesn't believe it, but he's like, 
trying to come up with some solution for how this photo ended up. They've spent so much time talking about how did that photo get there (laughs) and no time talking about, well, what happened to the whatever. Um, During this scene, while they're driving, I noticed that they pass by a business with a neon sign that says Irvington. And I looked up because this this takes place like the last episode takes place near where the show started, which is in Evanston, Illinois. I believe that's where Tom is supposed to have lived. Uh, There is an Irvington, Illinois, but it is four hours from Evanston, Illinois. So, I mean, maybe the the sign was referencing something else. Maybe there's like an Irvington neighborhood. I don't know. Or they shot it four hours away. I don't Uh, know. I mean, that's more likely. This is dumb as hell. But since we are still on the heels of it, (laughs) maybe, maybe Larry's office is four hours away from Tom's. Okay. Right? And camera phones don't exist yet, so they're trying to beat the organization courier to... I don't know, man. (laughs) I don't know. So, anyway, Tom says that if nothing else, the negatives prove to him that his memories are real. He wasn't in a coma. There were no nightmares. Larry isn't fully convinced, however. He asks if he wasn't in a coma for three months, where was he? Uh, Tom doesn't remember anything except images. We see flashes of a a printing press. He says maybe it was somewhere that he worked. Uh, Larry says that if he can prove he was somewhere else during those three months, then that would be real proof. He drops Tom off at his house and asks how far that he's going to go. Tom asks Larry if he's in this with him. He says yes, and he makes some Lothario-esque comment about, you know, (laughs) oh, if there's, there's... Attractive women, I'm in whatever. Yeah. Uh, Tom says he still needs some time to come up with a plan. So for the time being, they're going to act like everything is okay. Like Tom knows he was in a coma and that nothing is amiss. Larry says, no chance I'm in a coma, huh? And Tom says, no more than usual. Larry says, hey, if Beat's being stuffed into a closet as I look to camera. <laughs> um, I wrote down, I wasn't sure if this is going to be one of those times where it's like, I never told you it was a closet. You know, like, like I never told oh, you how you died, okay. just that I found you. I kept waiting for that to come back. Nope. Yeah. <laughs> nope. Um, so Tom goes inside. Allison's having a cup of tea in the kitchen. She's clearly upset. Tom asks how she is, and he apologizes while rubbing her shoulders. So this is the first time where, like, Tom is acting friendly towards Allison in this whole episode. And we, the viewer, know that it's an act. So, again, yeah. like, it's, it is not a repeat of It's Not a, Such a Wonderful Life even though that would have been more interesting. Um, Allison says that she doesn't know if she can stay here. She doesn't know if she can trust him anymore. She can't sleep next to him, not knowing when he's going to, you know, threaten to blow up the building and the car outside. Uh, Tom says he talked with Larry. Larry convinced him that all this is real and it's going to take some more time, but he's trying to work on it. While they're having this emotional moment, however, the soundtrack is incredibly ominous. The music, I mean, because... It makes sense because we, the viewer, know that this is not Tom being genuine. Right. But we're still forced to sit through an entire scene of Tom acting genuine. And the music is just constantly reminding us, like, no, 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 it's tense right now. (laughs) I have a question. Because this is why I didn't even catch that, like, the organization has a copy of the negatives now, according to this episode. Yeah. Is when Tom's like, I guess it's my move. I was so obsessed by, like, why would they do this part of it not them getting the negatives i was not even interested in that i was interested in why would they show tom photographs that prove that they are lying to him what is that move yeah and now I mean, he's going to talk to allison and 
Allison what hasn't been given shoot this is Allison, where I was yeah this is where I got distracted <laughs> Allison has to know that he knows that it wasn't that he wasn't in a coma yeah like and they told him that he wasn't in a coma yeah like, why do all this work if you're gonna undo it what they is that? should have here's what they should have done they should have put the negatives with that displaced photo in there the photo that have they had in his yes. his exhibit? They should have still acted like this was. That's what it should have been. It was all just a dream. What, what, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna move on as if that's what they did because that's absolutely what it should have been. You're absolutely right. That's so that's so obvious. It almost doesn't even sound smart. No offense. Yeah. Like it's <laughs> it, it 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 it's it's like oh yeah, obviously that's what it would be. But like what I mean is actually like no, that's the fucking thing you do in this situation. That's how television yeah. writing writes. That's what goes there. It's not that it's not smart. It's that it's not them being showboaty. Like yeah. it's actually smart. Sometimes the correct move doesn't look smart. Yeah. It's just like oh, obviously that's what it would be. And this show tries so much to be smarter than it is. Like the, oh, I guess it's my move, is them trying to be smart. And you're like, actually, I mean, I know this doesn't look very flashy, but it would just be this. And it's like, oh, yeah, it would be. It would be. It would be. That other idea where it was him in a straitjacket was just me being dumb. <laughs> but then you don't get the cool line, the quote unquote cool line of, <laughs> yeah, it's my move. Ugh. I just rolled my eyes for any uh, anybody who is not watching this, this <laughs> non-recorded video voice. call. Um. If any listeners, if any of you think that this is an interesting idea for a story and you would like to see this sort of thing done well, I got two examples from the same show for you. TV show Farscape. Uh, it is a science fiction show that ran in the late 90s, early 2000s. I think it was like a 99 or something to 2003 or whatever. Mm -hmm. And it was made by the Jim, Han Jim Henson uh, company, but it's uh, it's... There are a lot of puppets because it's a space show. It's like, a, you know, space aliens and such. But it is a very, very, well, it's got lots of humans too. It's humans and puppets. And it is, uh, 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 you know, it's got a lot of different genres mixed in there. But it is a very fairly serious mm -hmm. space drama. Space yep. opera, I think, is probably it's the It's sincere. The They're sincere that. puppets. They're not, it's yes. not Kermit it's, bouncing it's not goofy, along the yeah. screen. Yeah. Like the, the puppets are just other characters on the show. It's Yoda. Anyway. It's Yoda. Sure. Um, the main character in that is a human who he's a human astronaut who was out on a space mission, just doing something around earth. And he ends up getting caught in a wormhole and sent to the other end of the universe. And the first couple seasons, at least is him trying to figure out how to get back home. And then he eventually more or less comes to terms with just living out in deep space with his, the friends he's made and the enemies he's made and so on. Yeah. There is an episode in the first season where they find a wormhole that leads back to earth. And they go back to Earth, and spoilers for this episode. It's a very good episode, so I hate to spoil it, but, you know, if you haven't seen it already, you probably haven't seen any of the show, and this might get you interested in the show. They go back to Earth, and everything is, like, too perfect. Not necessarily too perfect, because it's not all good, but everything is too accurate to the point where he realizes the dangers of going back to Earth. And then he realizes that it is all an act. It is not actually Earth. It is this group of aliens have plucked memories from his mind and recreated Earth from it. And by realizing what he is seeing and what he isn't seeing, he's able to piece together what 
is actually going on and then, you know, and so on. Um, that's not quite this episode, but there is another episode that is very similar to both of the that episode and this episode, where an episode starts out, main character, John Crichton, wakes up, and it is the day after his original space experiment. Mm-hmm. He wakes up in a hospital and is told the accident was a failure. You crashed. You were in a coma. You're back out of it. Thank God you're back. Everything is normal. You're on Earth. You never went to space. And the whole episode, he rem- he knows that this happened before. He knows that he's been, quote unquote, back to Earth before. So he's trying all of the tricks he tried the first time. Okay. To see if it is actually the same kind of simulation. And it's not. I mean, spoilers for that episode. It's not actually Earth. But it's not the same kind of simulation. It is a better simulation that manages to get past a lot of things. But there, that deals a lot with he's immediately suspicious. Yeah. He starts seeing some things that make him think, okay, maybe this is genuine a little bit, but then it goes way off the rails. He knows it's not it's not real. And so it's him trying to break the system to get out of it. And every time he does something to break it, it bounces back even harder than it did the time before. And so you as the viewer, pretty much the whole episode, you know it's not actually Earth, but the struggle of him getting out of the situation he's in is still compelling yeah. Because you know it's not real, but if it's not real, it's even more dangerous than if it was real. Mhm. So it's a great the first the episode I just mentioned was called The Human Reaction. It was in season 1. The other one is in season 2 and it's called uh Won't Get Fooled Again because <laughs> again it's going with he knows he's been through this before, yeah. you know. So go check those out. Farscape is a great show, but those episodes in particular I think have a lot of the same DNA as this episode. Yeah, and and when we get to see the organization, I don't mind if the organization is the one that does smart things. Yeah. I don't mind that the organization outsmarts Tom from time to time. The, sh- the writers do. The writers will never <laughs> let that. Like, they don't like letting that happen. And yeah. it, I think the show is better. I mean, in this instance, the directorial intent is that the organization has outsmarted them. It's just they are so unprepared for what that looks like that they're like and this is what's in there and it's like no no that's not what it would be the thing Gabe said is exactly correct yeah it would be the same set of negatives with the displacement photograph in the middle instead of instead of an agenda yeah why is it so yeah television is difficult but don't try to be clever and you'll be better at it so again, Tom is, uh, you know, he's, he's trying to play along with Allison uh, with this ominous music playing in the background. We then cut to later that night, Allison wakes up and Tom is missing. She creeps downstairs. Still, the ominous soundtrack is still going on. And she finds him asleep in a recliner in the living room. Aside from just showing us that he is not still, he's, he's still not comfortable with Allison, which we already knew. <laughs> and she already knew. I don't really know what the purpose was of this, but it. Adds I, another 30 seconds to the runtime of the episode. I, I wasn't the Allison is explicit in a little bit. Yeah. It's 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 something I haven't seen from her yet. Okay. So up until this point, I I wasn't sure is it Allison. There was enough ambiguity that I was willing to buy into the emotional moment that is Allison goes downstairs and sees Tom still doesn't trust her. Which is what, what that moment for me is supposed to be. It's it's that if we are, as the viewer, 
going to possibly buy into the idea that maybe Tom's wrong. Maybe this is real. Maybe that really is Allison. Or maybe maybe Allison didn't want to be roped in and, and, and she, you know, is, is just doing this because Tom's going to die or whatever. Sure. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It feels like it's meant to be that, but that they did, you know, they just haven't earned it. Yeah, they can't make up their mind which show, which version of how you tell this story they're doing. Yeah. So Tom's back at the hospital. He asks for a copy of his admittance papers to submit to his insurance company, which I thought was a pretty good cover for why he's asking for that. Uh, when they give them to him, he looks them over and he sees that he was admitted on February tenth. And um, I, I noticed some things about this form because they, they do a good close-up on the form. It's typed out, which will be uh, a small background detail in a minute. Uh, his social security number is on here. So, um, <laughs> listeners, his social Tom Vale's social security number is 542684360. <laughs> I doubt that is I, – I wonder if that was like – one of the, I don't know, prop people put their social security, or they oh, just God, picked a random that. number or what. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Um, also, it lists Allison's phone number, except it's missing a couple letters. It's 555 and then two digits. And that's the whole <laughs> that's the whole number. Also, um, on this and the next form we see in a moment, there's no attending physician listed, which is a weird detail, especially because we know that there was a, they do have a name of a physician that they mentioned earlier in the episode, like Dr. North or something. Anyway, he had five physicians at the beginning. I didn't mention it, but it's in my notes. Sure. Yeah. A crazy number of doctors at the beginning of this episode. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's not a thing when, when you're uh, (laughs) two, two things are not a thing. You don't have a whole bunch of doctors. If you watch house, you might be under the impression. Oh yeah. Five doctors working with one patient. That makes sense. No, no, it does not. Doctor's time is so much more valuable. A doctor has like 30 patients. A nurse has like 20 patients. A nurse technician, which don't exist on TV, have like maybe 10 patients. So you don't get that, you know, for an an individual visit, you might get that much attention, but you're not going to get that attention just in general. But also when someone comes out of a coma, why is everybody standing around them waiting for it? You know, like... If they came out of a coma, it's because they've been in the bed for a long time and someone noticed, oh, hey, they're starting to rouse. And then the 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 nurse that is on duty or whatever might go and check on them. It, you're not going to have an entire room full of doctors looking at you. What and the- why was Allison there? Like, <laughs> she just happened to be, I mean, I guess maybe if she's been waiting with him at his bedside for three months, whatever. Yeah, it, it feels a lot more like, not that this is something that they would explicitly say, but it, it, it even feels like... I enjoy the possibility that those weren't even just actors because, like, there's no reason for there to be that many doctors around him. Mm-hmm. I like the idea of those are, like, people higher up who in the organization Ooh, who are okay. there to observe him. You know, like, it's their treat to be able to see patient whatever. Yeah. Like, th- that's the only reason I can think why he has, you know. So the reason he doesn't have an attending physician is because he's got eight attending physicians and they wouldn't have filled okay. out the form. No, I sure. that's not really it, but it's. <laughs> yeah. So um, Tom looks over after seeing that uh, that the admitting date was February 10th. He looks over at the calendar and sees that it was May 6th, which is, uh, I said earlier, the day that this episode aired. So it has been, according to this information, it has been about three months. We then cut to a dark warehouse. Um 
I put in my notes, I don't know what purpose this warehouse would serve in a hospital. And Tom is creeping, more on that in a second. Tom is creeping along boxes, uh, along a rack of boxes of medical records. He sees a security guard in a nearby office. So he takes the box with like V, you know, the letter V or whatever. So like the box that would have his file in it. He brings it down and drops a clipboard that was sitting on top, which makes noise. Despite the intense noise of the industrial grade printing machines that this hospital apparently has... <laughs> The guard hears the clatter from a different room. So Tom hides as the guard looks unsuccessfully to find the source of the noise. Uh, Looking over at one of the printing machines, Tom has another flashback to the job he was working before he woke up. He was in a newspaper factory. Tom finds his folder in the box. He finds his original admittance form. And this one is handwritten, which is a neat attention to detail because when they brought him in, someone would have written it out and then it would be printed to go into his actual file i guess okay but this one shows he was admitted on april 26th which was like 10 days ago what that means is uh three days he 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 was admitted three days passed and then one week of physical therapy and then Mm -hmm. like one extra day or whatever for the time that's passed between then and now so Again, just a little bit of good attention to detail that they did account for that week of physical therapy. I just would have loved to see that week of physical therapy. Um, Now, I do have in my notes here, I want to point out that it makes no sense for this file to be there. What I mean is either this file would be somewhere in the hospital because it's only a week old. If someone was admitted to the hospital, they wouldn't take a week old file and put it in some dusty warehouse off in, you know, long-term storage, that's where they would put it if it was there for a long time. If he was here three months ago and then left and then, a, or, or whatever, then it might get put into a, uh, into long-term storage. Or if their purpose was to hide it from Tom, I don't understand why it would be in a labeled box along with everyone else's medical files. Yeah. Like, I like that the director didn't feel the need to show us how Tom got to this warehouse. I, I talk a lot about how, you know, I don't need to be shown everything. And this is an example. It's well within Tom's moveset to be able to figure out where his file is and then get to it. I can I can gloss over that part. I just don't understand why this incredibly sensitive, incredibly recent file would be in a box with all of this stuff in a warehouse somewhere. Well, OK, so I did not interpret this as a warehouse. OK, I interpreted this it, as... It looks like a dark, dusty warehouse. You're not wrong about that. But at the time, I didn't interpret it as a warehouse. And part of that is because okay. they don't show you any transition between him. I just checked it. Between him yeah. being at the desk and it's immediately cuts to, to him being in in the file storage. So I mm-hmm. think this is an enormous amount of file storage. Perhaps too much. <laughs> perhaps an Ark of the Covenant amount of file storage. Yeah. For on site for this for this facility, but I am I am under the impression this yep. is this is the file at the hospital. This is the file room at the hospital. It's nuts, yeah. but this it- is the file room <laughs> at the hospital. And the reason that it's there is not because the organization is trying to hide it from him. It's that like uh-huh. this is an actual hospital. We talked before, is Callaway a real hospital or is it fully yep. controlled by the organization? I think that one right. was fully or- controlled by the organization. I and this like is a real this, hospital. I feel like this is a real hospital that okay. they are that they are squatting at to do this, and that's a real record that the that the hospital produced. Sure. And 
but I think that woman at the counter either is working for the organization or someone or has someone. swapped out yeah. the, the file so that if Tom ever comes looking for it, make sure he gets this one, not the other one. And they didn't think to delete the original. Then I guess my complaint is just that their file storage room looks like a dark, dirty uh, warehouse with yeah. huge printing machines for some reason. <laughs> Hospitals don't like print newspapers or print books or whatever. Well, they would have like an inkjet printer. Yeah. Maybe two or three in inkjet printers. That's this is not the the file storage room for a hospital. But the purpose is they need Tom to see the printing machine so that yeah. then it'll jog his memory. I guess. It's just real weird set design. It yeah, it is. It's very it's very convenient. Yeah. Is how I would describe it. It's very uh it's this. And I was just like, sure, sure it is. <laughs> So um, Tom calls Larry on a payphone who asks where he's been and says that Allison is, has half the town looking for him. Tom says he has the proof. He's got the admitting form and he remembers where he was before being knocked out. Larry asks where, but Tom says uh, he instead says if he's right, he'll know where to find the negative. So he's going to do that instead of telling Larry. Um, and we see that Larry is at work when when Tom reaches him here. Uh, Larry reminds Tom that this might be exactly what they want him to do. Tom says he knows and hangs up. Cut to commercial. Uh, we come back and it is the site of the Evanston Tribune. Tom takes a cab to the uh, Evanston Tribune where he was apparently working a week and a half ago. There is a deleted scene here where the security guard recognizes him and they have a little bit of dialogue. Okay. Um, and then we get our first Tom monologue for the episode. Our first of two. The last one is at the very end of the episode. Tom says, I had come back to Evanston hoping to retrace some of my steps leading up to my erasure, and I still wasn't completely sure, but I thought that I might have taken a job in the printing plant for the Evanston Tribune. Somehow that felt right, and somehow they must have gotten a hold of me to set up their latest charade. Inside the printing plant, everyone recognizes <laughs> Tom. He must have made quite an impression if he gets like Five separate greetings just walking through the plant. Everyone is like, oh, hi, Tom. Hey, Tom, I haven't seen you in a while. How you doing, Tom? Hey, Tom. It's I have seen ridiculous. This, I have seen this done in the movie An American President or The yeah. American President, where but like the person they're all saying hi to is the president. <laughs> they're like, hello, Mr. President. Hello, Mr. President. Hello, Mr. Shepard. You're like, they're... Yeah, he, he apparently saved all of their lives or something. He does have a very. <laughs> yep. He's way too celebrated for, you know, when he was at the pizza job, they did not have this attitude towards. Hey, Tom. Hey, Tom. That was more believable. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so anyway, he finds a locker with his name on it. And once again, here's Larry's voice telling him that this may be exactly what they want. As he opens the locker, he has flashbacks of the execution of people telling him they want the negative. He reaches into the locker and pulls out the hidden agenda negative. The next scene I have titled Pilot Redux. At the art gallery, Tom shows up and apologizes to Allison for disappearing again. He notices she's not wearing the earrings he gave her and asks if Allison has seen Larry. She says he's probably off finding himself a date somewhere. Because it's one of the two. He's self-deprecating <laughs> and he has a lot of sex, apparently. Uh... Tom tries calling him on the phone and gets his voicemail. Uh, everything about this guy is sleazebaggy, I put. 
Uh, flashback to the pilot where Tom found Larry's body in his closet. Tom gets a little spooked and he leaves. And as he leaves, we see Allison frustrated, realizing that Tom is has left again. Tom goes back to Larry's apartment and calls out to him. It gets no answer. We hear a shower running off in the distance. Uh, much like in the first episode, he goes to the shower, opens it up, and there is a uh, there is a bathrobe hanging up in the shower. Where which, it's getting wet, <laughs> I guess, it's which just defeats the purpose. How he likes it, I don't. I saw I that guess. too. It's like at this point, that's a character choice. I don't understand. Yeah, like I really racked my brain trying to figure out: Does Larry have a special way that he can store a robe? Like, in is there a second? <laughs> is there a glass closet in the? Here's the thing. There's actually what we think is a shower isn't a shower. The shower is just beyond that shower. The first shower is a converted shower that he made into a sauna. So that's that's dry steam that you're seeing come out of there. I I'd laugh about that, but I would love if I had a sauna that you had to walk through to get to the shower. (laughs) That'd be great. That'd be so comfortable. Um, so after having, you know, this, this is clearly hearkening back to the pilot. This feels very similar. Yeah. Uh, and again, same locations. All of these are the same locations as the pilot, which I think is great. I would have loved more of that, but I imagine it was probably more expensive to do this episode than it was to do, uh, Callaway. So, uh, having seen all these things that harken back to the pilot, Tom immediately goes straight to Larry's closet, expecting to open up the closet and see his bloated blue body up in the in the shelves he opens it up no corpse he then breathes a sigh of relief and while i was watching this episode i think i've talked about how i don't remember basically any of the episodes after hidden agenda i did have a single flash from this episode and it is right here i knew he was going to find larry's body in the second closet yeah yeah so tom leans against the second closet and it moves slightly he then steps away from it it opens up and Larry's corpse falls out of the closet, this time wrapped up in like a plastic bag. So he's been suffocated, I'm guessing. Uh, as Tom rolls the body over, he sees one of Allison's lucky earrings underneath. So clearly the the implication here is that Allison killed Larry, or at least was here when Larry was killed. I do have to ask, though, when exactly did this happen? If... We are to believe that this also is not Larry, then okay, disregard this. But if this is Larry and they did actually kill him this time, when did it happen? Tom called Larry right before going to the printing plant when Larry was at work. The printing plant is presumably in the same town as the hospital because he was in and around Evanston when uh, he was admitted. I don't know if I don't know if they said the town the hospital was in, but it's got to be somewhere nearby. They wouldn't take him to a hospital that was like an hour away. Yeah. But that means that he 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 went to the hospital, he did this thing, called Larry, Larry was at work. He then went to the Evanston Tribune. He couldn't have been there very long. He basically just went into his locker and then got the negatives. Yeah. So then either Tom spent a whole bunch of time doing who knows what, I guess maybe stashing the negatives somewhere, but how much time would he have been doing that for? Because he then showed up late to the uh, to the exhibit where Allison already was. So Allison would have had to wait until Larry got off work, then gone to Larry's house, killed him, and then come back and then been at the exhibit 
in the time that it took Tom to go and get the negative, basically. It's it's just a real weird timeline that I feel like the writers did not put any thought into whatsoever. They just thought, That's well, it'll be a cool twist if Allison was involved. Yeah, like I the, the earring thing was so dumb. Like I just I when you said like the the implication is clearly that Alice was like nothing about this is clear. <laughs> okay. It's, it's oh, fair a, enough. Fair enough. Uh like and just as a joke, you know, here's how you solve it. You just cut to uh Tom talking to Larry in the flashback and it's just a tape recorder of of Larry responding to him. Oh, with a cigar. that would be good. Oh man, that's how you do the ending of uh, Dark Side of the Moon. Well, because that was a recording with a cigar sitting nearby. Yeah. Okay. So to put it in this and to it well, I mean, I did it as a joke, but it could be cool if they actually did that. If they hadn't, you yeah. know, used up their tape recording shtick <laughs> on the yep. stupidest thing ever. And I, I guess I didn't put it in my notes, but when, when Tom was at the exhibit earlier, he no, he asked Allison about her lucky earrings and she wasn't wearing them. So that would that was the only setup for finding Allison's earring here. If that deleted scene had been in here, it would have made a lot more sense because, oh, she she mentioned and she showed we got to see her her uh, lucky earrings in that earlier scene. Yeah. So it's anyway. also just like it's so dumb. They have so much staff. There's no yeah. reason why Allison would need to. It's just so dumb. Yeah. The, oh, the organization couldn't spare another person to go and kill this, this, you know, important, uh, not asset, whatever. This didn't yeah. kill this, this important person. So Tom takes a cab back to the empty gallery where Allison is worried and waiting for Tom. Uh, he's had enough of this. He tells her to back off. She says she loves him. And he asks her how much. And she says, as much as life itself, as much as I thought you loved me. And then Tom says, you just liked Larry. I can't wait to see what you have in store for the man you love. He then takes out the earring, which rings like a very loud bell. Does it? Like it is a very, it like rings throughout the whole building. And it's just like this little tiny, you know, little tiny earring, whatever. Uh, She turns around and paces feigning ignorance, but then she pulls out a gun. I guess the honeymoon is over, she says. And then Tom quips back with, well, if it was ever real to begin with, was it? Or are you just a memory that's stuck in my head? Like a photograph in the jungle. Allison asks for the negatives, because I guess they don't have the negatives. And Tom asks why they're so important, to which she answers, that would be telling. And this is where Bruce Greenwood in the commentary talked about how ridiculous it is that we're 23 episodes in and we still don't know why the <laughs> negatives are important because clearly the writers don't know. Even the writers, when they, they have the character ask and he's not given an answer. So Tom says he'll give them to her. He reaches into his pocket and pulls out the negatives and hands them to her. She then looks at them and realizes it's the photos of him in the straight jacket. Where is hidden agenda, she says. To which Tom replies... That would be telling. Boom! I put in my notes. <laughs> I mean, the last time I showed that photograph in an opening, it was nothing but trouble. To which Allison responds, I have to have that negative, Tom. They, I want the negative, Tom. So she starts to say, you know, she needs it, something, they're going to do something. She, she, she starts shifting the power away from herself. She starts implicating herself as a pawn. But then she, she dials it back and she instead tries to take control again saying i want the negative 
Tom says she'll have to kill him. She says she will. Tom calls her bluff. He gets right up in her face. She doesn't shoot him. So he starts to leave. She says she's willing to shoot him in the back. That's true. You've already done that. She says she'll kill him. She cocks the gun. Tom pauses and says, no, you won't, Allison. You never do. And then he leaves. And like after he leaves, there's just a brief moment where she she drops the facade as in like a frustrated sigh that she couldn't do it. He gets outside. We see some flashes of his past and he begins to walk down the road and we get our second and final narration of the episode. As more of my memories come back, it becomes increasingly harder to distinguish facts from fiction, reality from utter fabrication. But I must press on. Finding the truth is my only road home. So two questions at the end of the episode. Two questions. Uh, Number one, what memories are coming back? Does he mean like memories from like a week ago? Like the ones, what memories of that are important? If not that, what memories did he lose that are, I I was not under the impression that any memories were coming back. Aside from the memories in this episode, that's like, oh, that's where I was working two weeks ago, you know. I don't know what that line is supposed to indicate. I mean, for me, what I need it to be, regardless of what they meant it to be, what I need it to be is a nod towards this isn't just... In the beginning, I said, I like the idea that the organization is magicians. Okay. And you talked about how when you watched it, you were fairly certain there was a supernatural element. Yeah. What what we are seeing in the last episode before this one is the idea that it's not necessarily a supernatural element, but it is certainly such a high level science breakthrough, scientific breakthrough that they've mm-hmm. had that it it might as well be something supernatural. Yeah. Um, I I need his monologue at the end of this episode to be and this, uh, you know, I was already sort of meh, whatever. And I didn't really put much thought into it, but what I need it to be is it needs to be about whether or not he can trust this episode. There's never actually a moment where Tom is like, maybe this is real. That'd be really nice. Yeah. But the episode thinks that Tom says that. That's why I said it's like a video game. that's just, you know, doesn't doesn't know what Tom is saying because it continues on as if Tom was buying in. And I think that the episode closes up as if Tom had bought in is is my interpretation is that he's like, yeah, I wasn't sure if this was real or not. I mean, obviously, you were sure from the beginning because you yelled at everybody forever. (laughs) But I wasn't sure if this was real or not. But I'm getting stronger now. I'm, I'm more not now. Now I know I must never doubt myself, and yeah. and I, I I know it's real. I'm not going to be hoodwinked by them again. That's what I heard was that sure. it was him grappling with whether or not he could trust reality. Mm-hmm. Under the under the implying that he somehow was was ever in this episode not the smartest guy in the room. Sure, like like he is. He has major. Wesley Crusher problems where he is yeah. very much always the smartest man in the room and always always 10 steps ahead about uh, of everybody except for when they steal the negatives and he's like I guess it's my move <laughs> so there's just yeah no they just took your king it's not your move the game is over <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah it's not your move they just took your king all right. So where do you think this well, is going next? Well, no, so, so hold on. Hold on. Uh, there's more stuff I want to talk about with yeah, this. Yeah. And then there's another thing. The right. reason that I, I, I am 
really perplexed by this, you know, as more of my memories come back, thing, yeah. is because the previous episode ended with, Tom, you're going to lose all of your memories and it's starting now. And then the immediate next episode ends with, gosh, as, as my memories are coming back, it's, uh, you know, stuff's happening. And it's like, I, my fear is that the ending of the last episode is never going to come up again. Mm. That is my fear. I was hoping that this episode would, and you sort of, you, you were kind of looking at this episode in the lens of the electrochemical stuff happened right. to his brain. And so now right. this stuff is possible. Right. My fear is that the writers didn't have that in mind at all. Sure. And yeah, this yeah. could have happened whenever. Absolutely. And I really liked the end of the last episode because it mm. made it feel like finally there were going to be some stakes. Yeah. Finally, the stuff that happens in this episode is going to carry through. And this episode taking such a specific counter direction makes me feel like this writer didn't even know about that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And that now I'm wondering if the next two episodes are going to have anything to do with that. Uh, I won't give any, I've already watched the next episode. I'm not going to say anything about it, but that is my fear from this episode on is that like, maybe the stuff last time didn't mean anything. Maybe it was just, it was just a good ending for an episode. Yeah. And, and that that's honestly, that is what is most likely. It's just, that's the, that's the, the things I'm attaching to are not like, oh, that's most likely. I'm attaching to the things where I'm like, oh, I like that. I would like that to be what they Th- meant. That's please. how you're thinking of it. Yeah, that's – that's that's in, in a lot of cases, it is – I am strongly advocating for that's what it should be. Please go back and rewrite sure. the story so that it is that. <laughs> yeah. Um, are the last two episodes a two-parter? I thought they were a two-parter. They are. Um, I I – I realized the other day, shoot, I don't know if they are. I've been talking about them like they're a two part of this whole time. <laughs> yeah. Yes, th- they very much are. Um, okay. It's not It's not a to be, cont- it doesn't say to be continued, but the first one basically ends on a cliffhanger. And then it, it ends in such a way that they have to go directly into whatever happens in the final episode. And okay. that makes sense because that is how I remembered it. Okay, cool, cool. So um, that was issue one with the ending. Uh-huh. Issue two is a question I have to ask. Uh-huh. Was that really Allison? Oh, I don't know. I f- I feel like it was. I feel like yeah, the writer intended it to be that this was in fact the Allison that was in the first episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We can't be sure because in Forever Young we found out that they can turn people into other people and they did have Allison on file. Right. So, you can never be sure. However, I feel like there were enough enough things in this episode that make it seem like, yes, this was the Allison. And if so, this episode definitively says she is working with the organization Yeah, there. She may have some other motives, but they are not in Tom's favor. She was in fear for her life, presumably, but she was not doing this to help Tom. Yeah. At least, at least that's that's how nope, it that, seemed to that's me. That's what I got. That's what I got. Okay. I was holding on to the idea that, like, after I, I could be wrong about this, uh, but to mm-hmm. my recollection, after watching, um, it's not such a wonderful life. I said, I think they want the viewer to think, oh, Allison was working for them, but sure. that I think that's a that's a bluff, and that they're going to come back later and show that Allison was being coerced and somebody else wrote that note or something. That's, sure. that's, that's the kind of thing I was expecting. Um, sounds like no. Once I watched this episode, <laughs> once the gun was out, I was like, Oh, okay. Yeah. I get. I guess she's just working for them. Okay. 
Yeah. Um, the the problem I have is is that the following episode <laughs> needs to be. <laughs> you ask me where this is going, right? At every yeah. time, the following episode needs to be. Allison pulled a gun on me, and I any doubt I had about whether or not she ever loved me is now gone. For many months, I have been saying. For many variable months, I've been saying <laughs> that. <laughs> for X number of months, I've been saying. <laughs> I've been saying, you know, I'm doing this for Allison. What am I doing this for now? For me, I don't even have me. You know that that's yeah. the kind of. Uh, I need him to deal with this shit. I need him to to to. If he doesn't deal with Allison, because like like at this point, this is the stupidest thing they could have done with Allison, in my opinion. Yeah. Unless, like, uh, I, there, there, I have had stories where once a certain character dies, I don't care anymore. Sure, I'm done. I'm out. Yeah, it's kind of like that. I, I want to see where the next episodes go, but actually, I'm not invested. Okay, because getting back together with Allison was the emotional thread of this damn show, and there are no other sh- threads. That was the thread. <laughs> yeah, that was it. So unless. It goes the tragedy route, which I didn't realize until, you know, recently. I'm like, if it's interesting tragedy, if Tom mm-hmm. self-destructs or like actually fate worse than death would be not that he self-destructs, but that he just keeps stringing himself along. If sure. that is how it goes, I can kind of be like, oh, OK, whatever. And I would just like get over it. Mm-hmm. But I wouldn't rewatch the show. Yeah. the It's not like I needed him to have a happy reunion with. Allison in order for the show to be meaningful. It's just that this strips away any ambiguity of maybe he maybe there's some chance that he believes, you know, that that he and Allison um can get can the two of them get away from the organization or top of the organization and live together. Like realistically, yeah, what you said at the beginning that there's no win option for him. Yeah. Um and like I like I went into a bunch of detail in the last episode about this game Mass Effect where these aliens invade in the first game and you fight or this alien, this giant alien invades in the first game, you stop it, this giant alien invades in the second game, you stop it, third game, dozens of them across so many planets that it didn't even feel like it was how do we beat them? It was what is the best way we can lose this? Sure. That would be an interesting place to go from here. I do not trust the show to even mention Allison's name in the next two episodes. Yeah. We'll, we'll um, see, but Yeah, we'll see. I will I will be livid if they don't address it because what is the point of the show? Allison was the only ongoing, you know, it's just Do you think do you think it would have been quantifiably better if they had made it clear at the end of the episode that this was not actually Allison? If she pulls the gun and she's like, look, I'm not even Allison. They made me look like her, but I need those negatives. So give them to me or I'll kill you. Yeah. It would have had that. There is a little bit of like a little bit of a some sort of an emotional conclusion with the two of them because he knows she's not going to kill him because presumably he knows that there is some feeling is what I, I interpreted that. Right. He knows that she's not going to kill him. I don't know. But I don't. I don't know. I don't know where I was going with this. No, I don't know I, where the show is going with it. I mean, if it had been that, I feel like I would be angry in a different way, but it yeah. would be temporary. I would be like, "That's okay. dumb. Don't jerk us around like that." You know, like, but but at the same time, if that was going to happen, I feel like do it sooner. Yeah, 
you know, if you're going to have that kind of continuity, maybe deal with it immediately following the Forever Young episode. Mm-hmm. Like, not like this happens next, but the, the, the episode following Forever Young should be Tom, I don't know, tracking down people who have seemed to have been body snatched. Steve, I have I have a, an episode to pitch to you. Okay. I have an episode, an episode yeah. idea for yeah. this. I'm excited. Tom runs into Allison. Oh. It's not actually Allison. Looks and sounds like Allison. Okay. Um, Maybe she has amnesia or something, or she's just some other person. Just happens to look like Allison. And, of course, he's attached to her, and he feels connected to her because she looks and sounds like his wife. But he knows that it's not her wife, or at least it seems to not be his wife. She's being hunted by people that seem like the organization. Tom eventually realizes she is an assassin that was made by the forever young people made to look like Allison, not necessarily specifically Allison, but they just made her look like someone else to go and commit, you know, assassinate somebody or whatever. The programming didn't take. And so her mind is all screwed up. So she's like been living on the street. And so the organization is trying to find her and dispose of her. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Tom finds her. He manages to get that sect of the organization to stop following her, but he knows that he can't be with her. If she goes with him, she'll be in danger. If he stays with her, she'll be in danger. He has to let her go and live her own life. He helps her. I don't know. He gets her a job at a pizza place or something, whatever, whatever Tom does. And then, but he, he, the episode leaves us with, she says, okay, hey, whenever you're done running from whatever you're running from, come find me and we'll have a life together. So he would end up being with the with a woman who isn't the Allison that he made a life with, but who looks like the Allison he made a life with. Because he formed a different bond with her while he thought she was Allison, but then grew to, you know, knew that she, once he found out she wasn't, he still had a connection to her because I, he saved her life or whatever. I've seen that done. Yeah. Um. Uh, uh, there was a show that I won't say what it was so as not to give the spoilers. Was but it Monk? Th- what? Was it Monk? It wasn't Monk. Because there's a similar episode that was on. Go on, go on. Fair sorry. enough, fair enough. Um, yeah, I've seen that done. It was it was with one of the villains, actually. Um, okay. w- one of the villains uh, started up a relationship with one of the good guys, um, mm-hmm. with one of the women uh, who was who was working for the heroes, um, for the protagonists. And then because it was a, you know, a, a, a hero villain thing, they split up. And then somebody else got, um, you know, the ability to, to to look like that person, sure, and was on the the bad guy side. And it was originally just, you know, okay, I can infiltrate the good guys now. I can look like her. But then, like over time, they do end up getting a relationship because you know he, she looks like this other woman or whatever. And eventually, sure. he was he was he was. Um, you know, he knows that's not really her, but he starts to have a, a real relationship, a, diff- a different connection with this, with this, you know, infiltrator woman anyways. Mm-hmm. Um, and like when that character dies, eventually, uh, he's, he's super, you know, goes crazy. He, he, he's, he's very upset about it. Um, so like I've seen, I've seen that done. It's, it's not impossible. Um, I think there is definitely... Like I, I mentioned in this episode, I wish all of the bonin had happened after, <laughs> yeah, after 
uh, it's not such a wonderful life because like I don't have a problem with him finding some other woman to be with. Mm-hmm. I think for it to be the woman who looks like Allison, that feels sort of consolation prize ish to me. Sure. And it worked for me better in this other show because it was the villain doing it. So that's already someone of lower character anyways. Okay. Um, Like I like the, I, I do like the idea of after, I feel like that should have happened. I feel like I feel like there should have been someone who I also know a different show, um, White Collar, which mm-hmm. uh, is is about a forgery thief guy who okay. ends up working for the FBI as a as a criminal consultant. And sure. he's, you know, got, he's got this huge whirlwind romance that felt really stupid about this about this woman named Kate or whatever. <laughs> and eventually Kate uh i think dies or maybe it's a fake out i cannot remember but eventually several seasons later she's not in the picture at all i don't remember for what if it was like real or fake or whatever but eventually she's not in the picture at all and he starts to move on to date other women and and there's a you know there's a great there are two people he gets paired up with one is sort of like she's another thief and and that was what they had as a connection but like they are both you know, um, con artists. So there's too much no no trust there. Yeah. Um, the the woman that he ends up having a lot of a, a much more satisfying relationship was was um, an insurance agent who gets uh, the originals back when somebody steal okay. or something like that. And so because they were on opposite sides of the law, that they 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 didn't have this they had this complementary feel to it. Um, I have no idea how to do that for Tom. What what sure. would that feel? What what that would what that would actually play out as? But I know it was satisfying as much as the beginning of the story was about him being in love with this one woman in white collar. It mm-hmm. was refreshing when he finally got over it and moved on to other relationships. Sure. So I um yeah. Uh, th- there, there was an episode of the TV show Monk, which was sort of a little bit of an inspiration for that that idea I just pitched. Um, TV show Monk, for anybody not familiar, it's uh, uh, Tony Shalhoub plays a a a detective with lots of you know neuroses and obs- you know obsessive compulsive tendencies and so on, and he's an incredible detective as a result. So like it's a blessing and a curse. This all these these mental issues he has, and the driving force of the show is that his his wife was killed. His wife was killed uh, in a bombing and he's been trying ever since to um, he's been trying ever since to solve her murder, but he can't because he's so close to it, blah, 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 whatever. After like six, ep- six, not six episodes, after like six seasons of this show, he has he has an episode where he's finally moved on like he's he's been holding on to he like still has the last pillow that his wife used in like a sealed bag that he occasionally will like take out and like you know he'll, he'll sleep next to it and then he'll seal it back up and bring it back out when he's feeling down or whatever but so he's still been obsessing over his wife this entire time and he finally is able to move on he tells his therapist you know like I woke up one day and I just I wasn't I didn't miss her anymore. Not, you know, not in a bad way, but he was, he was okay with moving on. And then that day he's out, out and about in the city and he sees his wife and he like loses her. She like gets lost in a crowd of people or whatever, but like he, the entire episode, he is, he is tracking and following his wife and she, it looks like her. It sounds like her. She uses the name Trudy Monk and 
I don't remember exactly what the plot is, exactly what it ends up happening, but it turns out she's not his wife. She's someone else that just happens to look like her. However, she was, someone put her up to pretending to be oh. his wife for various purposes. Okay. And he eventually he solves, you know, he solves the crime, whatever, and he comes face to face with her and she apologizes. She says, I'm sorry, I'm not your Trudy. I wish I could have been because I see the lengths you're willing to go to. Yeah. you know, to, to help her. And even, you know, they, they part on, on friendly terms, I guess. But then as a result, he's obsessed with his wife again. He can't let her go anymore because now he came face to face with his wife and he realized he can't, he's still, you know, holding on to her. Yeah. So. Yeah. I, with, with more seasons, it would have been interesting to explore stuff like this in nowhere, man. Yeah. Yeah. Well, within the, the, 25 episodes that we have if yeah. after it's not such a wonderful life i don't do you know the order does the young one happen before or after that it's after that so if the way that one happened in its totality yeah wrap everything we're saying in that episode instead of what the forever young one was about okay he bumps into it's allison but like you're saying it's it's all the and and it is just someone that the organization you know, maybe they have duplicates, right? They get like a couple different, sure. they needed, there was a time where they needed her to be in two places at once to run some con because there was that one guy who said your wife, who I don't know what the situation <laughs> sure, yeah. was, but you know, maybe left over from that or something. And yeah, the programming didn't take or whatever. And she's, you know, trying to, trying to figure out what's going on in that episode. Originally they could undo the making them look like someone, right? True. Yeah. If by the end of that episode, they had reverted her back to who she really was and it's a different actress. Oh, okay. Yeah. And that, so like he doesn't get the weird consolation prize of she looks like Allison. Yeah. Then I'm okay okay with it. Then that's, then that's interesting. Then that's, and then, and then that is, I feel like in the same way you were talking about, he can feel with JC that this is someone who was struggling with this stuff. We just use whatever those things are. So that he does have someone he they can't be in the same place because that that doubles the chance of them being caught or whatever, sure. um, but yeah. So that there is e- even if it's not a, an ending that we see, mm-hmm. if it's someone that um, the monologues at least acknowledge, sure, right? Like I, I I have wished in a number of occasions that he would make more friends. Yeah, friends that then don't die or or friends that are able to come back in at least in reference in later episodes at least in reference maybe they don't come back but at least he you know uh, it's it's clear that he is still making connections with people it's a weird life that he's living but he is living a life um from that's all been wrapped up in allison and the way they left allison in this one it feels like I don't even know what he's going to do other than, like I've said, implode. Um, I also don't know that I want this to happen on the 23rd episode. Sure. I think either this needs to be the finale and it needs to be better. Or I think this needs to happen like the 21st or second episode. Like, I like I need this to be the beginning of like a five-part self-demolishing. Sure. I want to watch him crumple over the next like five episodes. I need longer than two episodes to watch him deal with that. And I don't think they're going to deal with it at all. I think they're yeah. just going to be like... Tom never needed Allison. Allison who? All the Tom ever needed was his best friend. Anger Himself. and suspicion. <laughs> okay. 
<laughs> yeah. So, um, Steve, do you, do you know what we just did here? Hmm. I pitched an idea yeah. that had some issues. <laughs> you listened, and then you told me some things that would make it less problematic and better. Uh, hey, creators of Nowhere Man. <laughs> That's how you come up with an episode. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it sounds very much from your depicting of Bruce Greenwood's depicting of his conversations with Lawrence Herzog that yep. pretty much it's what we thought. It's that Lawrence Herzog had doesn't kill his darlings. Yeah. Was was the issue. And, you know, we learned partway into this show that he has died. And I, you know, we didn't know that at the beginning of our podcast. And we were right. we've been pretty harsh on him. And I think we've I think we've eased off in a lot of cases, but it, it is that is a tragic uh thing. Because yep. this is such a creative attempt and like there were some shots we didn't talk about the too much of the cinematography in this one but there were some great shots in this one where he like opens the locker and the camera's oh, in the yeah. locker and looking at him and yeah. um you were saying you know the spinny light thing at the beginning they did some cool stuff with some shots the, sto- the show was starting to develop a visual style yeah that by season two and season three certainly a producer would have come in and galvanized all of that and it would have looked really consistent sure. and so like there was there was the beginnings of some great stuff but you got to not shoot yourself in the foot by thinking you are smart enough to not need feedback. You need yeah. feedback. You got to have feedback. Um, it's difficult to find the right feedback because it's got to be someone who will know which battle to fight and how to fight them and get you back, get your writing back on, on, on track. So that doesn't feel like it's a personal attack on you. It's not easy to do. It's extremely sure. difficult to do. Um, but, but that's basically, that's the work. The work is being able to find the right minds, whatever your pursuit. The work is to find the the people who will challenge you. This is if you are dumb, surround yourself by, by smart people. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you are smart, surround yourself with smart people who disagree with you. And okay. it is not easy, but it is the only way I know to create something that has fewer problems than this and and you know we we have gotten used to i remember i think our last episode was 90 minutes right something like that yeah. one of them was it was one of our svelte episodes yeah it, yeah, it was right? the last one 90 minutes is still to my understanding longer than a regular podcast by it's <laughs> also much longer than the episode that we are talking about <laughs> yes it is double the length of the episode we're talking about so the reason we put in so many extra uh, uh hours thinking about these episodes is because for every I, I once heard a figure and I don't know if I'm getting the figure right and I might have talked about it on the show, but it's worth repeating here unless I've done it like 80 times. I go for it. Where they in Star Wars episode three, they calculated how many work hours went into a minute of film. Oh, and it was something like 70,000. Oh, boy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you work 2000 uh, hours a year if it is, if you're doing a, a 40 hour week, 52, you know, 50 weeks a year. That's mm-hmm. 2,000 hours. So that's, you know, n- more than a person can do. Yeah. You know, right? So when you are building something that is intricate and difficult, and this show was, this was not a regular show. It wasn't a sitcom where, you know, it's some guy and he hates his job and he kind of hates his wife, but he kind of <laughs> loves it. You know, it wasn't an easy show. It was a non-derivative yep. show. So in that case, you absolutely have to surround yourself with people who are going to challenge your ideas and make sure that they are working um, we spend so much time talking about the show. This is actually nothing compared to how much work would go into writing the show. Yeah. It would take much more than three hours to write these episodes. Although some of the times it does not feel that way. 
<laughs> yep. But the reality is it takes much more. I mean, when you and I write, when you write and I help you edit yep. uh, one of your short stories that is, I don't know, 3,000 words long, which is it's something like, like that. Like At, 10, yeah, two 15 to three pages. Um, we spend easily five hours on it. Has been has been my is my recollection, and they got and some of them, some of your longer peers that, that were like you know twelve thousand I think words was the longest one. I, I think, think so. we worked on that for weeks leading up to it. You know, it was it was yep. a big production, it was a big deal. Um, if you're if you are, whether you're new or whether you are veteran of creativity, it's always important to remember how ungodly amounts of hours go into the final product. Consuming a thing takes so much less time than making it. And um, I, I, I think that is what we are trying to – we are both invested in this process of, of going over the show for our own development as creatives. But I think for anybody who listens to the unabridged, you know, long hours of this who doesn't know us, it's, it's got to be – you got you, you, I have to imagine you're someone who has an instinct that there is something you want to express and you want to share and you want to put into the world. And it is an unclear path from where you are to the person you'll need to be who has the skills to bring it into the world in a way that people go, wow, that was great, where the work yeah. speaks for itself. Um, but we would be doing you a disservice if we didn't properly point out you will need to build yourself into someone who is one of the best, but then work with other people who are smart, who are the yeah. best at their particular discipline, because... Ugh, I feel so bad. Like it, it sounded exactly like what I pictured when you're describing Bruce Greenwood talking to the creator of the show. Bruce going, yeah. I'm fairly certain as the person who has to say all these lines and is the only repeat <laughs> actor for this show that this would work better. Yeah. And it is frustrating that they had to. It does not sound like they disagreed and kept talking until they could come up with a better idea. It sounds sure. like he was being dictated to. And that is that is a huge red flag creatively. You don't want someone saying, nope, I got it solved. This is it. Don't, don't, you know. It's one thing to say, please really think before you bring me a note. I worked very, very hard to make sure that this is in the best, uh, uh, this is the, this is in great shape when I hand it to you. I know, I know the composer of all of the music for Doctor Who for the last 12 years or whatever. Basically, he makes a bunch of different versions of the song, and by the time he hands you the music, he has decided this should be the music for for the show. And sure. for the most part, he's not that interested in changing it. He will sort of be like, no, get somebody else to do it. I worked very hard to get to this point. I've been doing this for 12 years. This is what the music should be for the show. It's critically acclaimed. We're going to have the London Symphony Orchestra play it. It will be yeah. good. Um... But also, he works extra hard to get to the point where he's saying, no, this is this is it. Sure. And it's I, I feel sometimes like there are a lot of creatives who, because they're working harder than their peers, feel like they're doing that. When in reality, it's just that their peers are not actually their peers. Their peers are wannabes. And you will have to work so many times harder than you think you do to actually produce work that no one questions. Sure. Uh, do you have a cleverest and silliest moment from this episode well so the thing that i wrote down i mentioned this if he had been sending them on a goose chase to uh larry's office if that had been yeah. somehow you know a setup except for that larry knew about he was like oh yeah i remember those so that couldn't have been you know if yeah. that had been handled differently i think that could have been um 
that could have been the best. I feel like the silliest thing was the damn earrings. I see, under, I understand from, <laughs> from from hearing you, you know, the, but like the scene where they set up the earrings sounds stupid too. Yeah. Did you, did you see my earrings? These are my lucky earrings. I wore them every day. It's like, why are you, what are you talking about? Like, that's not, I, I, that's not what a spouse would say. They wouldn't be like, look at my. Also, Tom doesn't remember giving them to her. Like she says, oh, you got these for me on our first anniversary. And he's like, oh, I don't remember that. So I guess that makes me ask, why did the organization have her say that? Or why did she say that? She knows Tom didn't give those to her, presumably, unless Tom is having amnesia issues. Uh, Basically, the organization set up its own gaff. <laughs> Like if there they had just go. not talked about the earrings at all, if she had, yeah. Ugh. Oh my goodness. Okay. I won't say what show it is because I don't want to spoil it for anybody, but at the end of a TV show that you and I both, the end of the first season of a TV show yeah. that you and I both love, yeah. there's a character that comes in and is like, I spent so long working on this accent. And this yeah. is like the behind the scenes stuff. If, if there had been a scene where Allison talks to someone in the organization and she's like, I told him, I mentioned these, these earrings so that he would notice the earring when I kill Larry. And he didn't, he didn't even care. <laughs> that would be, we have talked before. I mean, I, I, this show, you call it an action comedy or a thriller comedy at the beginning. And I was yeah. like, it's not Gabe. We laugh at it. Not with it. But <laughs> If this show were a comedy, I do think it would be better. And I could be wrong, but, you know, you were watching Burn Notice several years ago at the start yeah. of this project. Um, <laughs> yep. w- w- isn't that show a little bit more comedic? I mean, kind of. It's it's uh, um, it's definitely has a lighter tone. Yeah. Right. It's not it's not like it's a comedy. It's just that it's got yeah. a lot more panache to it. It's got its comedy it's, lock. It has a couple comic relief characters. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas this show has one character and he can't, he can't <laughs> yep, that's so that's spot on spot on so uh, no i would have loved if that's what happened was you got to see a cutaway and it was <laughs> it was allison talking about how frustrated she was that would have at least changed that would have at least been an interesting place to take her character sure to to have some reveal of of you know, uh, I don't know if that's true. I don't know if that's true. I don't know that they, okay. that it would have worked as parallel as I think it would have, because truly, still, because then, because the, then, I, I will say with the show you're talking about, when I watched that with my mother, she was like, "Where's it gonna go from here? This is the stupidest thing I've ever heard of." They just made that yeah. up on the on the spot. And then I listened to the behind the scenes, and they were like, "No, no, we worked very hard to put this together, and we knew from the beginning we were gonna do this twice." And in in that show, because that show. Again, we're not saying what it is, so yeah. I apologize. This is probably very frustrating to yeah, anyone yeah. who doesn't know what we're talking about. But uh, this show has a very big twist at the end of the first season. And then the fo- the following season basically goes in a different direction. Each yeah. season pretty much goes in a completely different direction than the season before. So it is a lot more work. So I understand why a lot of shows might not do something like this, where they do have a big, huge twist that recontextualizes everything. But... You know, if you're making a show that is such so high concept like Nowhere Man is, you kind of have to do that or it's going to fall flat. Because I'd love to see a show, a version of this show where it's a much bigger reveal and much less of a throwaway line that he had some sort of, you know, electrochemical tampering that's happened with him. Right. Yeah. And the second season is him not knowing what is real. Sure. 
the entire well, maybe not the entire second season, but like that that's that make make the make the the Callaway episode the season finale. Do it well and, and but but have the the cliffhanger at the end be he wakes up in 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 his life with Allison and he and he can't tell if he believes it or not. Yeah. And then and that but like but that's not what the show was about. The show was the show was so much more about Tom is the smartest man in the room and you can't hoodwink him. That's that is that is the show's crippling that's the tragedy of the writing of the show is Tom is never allowed to be if your character is the, the when we when we call it the Wesley Crusher problem, if your character is already so amazed is already a Mary Sue, is already an insert character for the author, there, yep. there's nowhere for them to grow because the plot says they're perfect and yep. everyone else is the problem. Um I I believe this is called a flat arc, uh, which is where the world doesn't happen to the character, the character happens to the world. I believe the okay. taken series or at least taken one is this way where it's not through any fault of the main character that the things are happening and the character is never at fault he just you know his 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 daughter is abducted while she's on a trip in in europe he has a, some special skills that are a nightmare for people like the people who kidnapped him kept kidnapped her and he just he just tears through europe f- and finds his daughter that's it that's the end of the movie and like it's a nice resolution at the end but yeah. basically it's not about it's not the traditional character arc where he doesn't really like his life and he wishes something would change and then something does push him to change and he kind of goes no i don't think so and then something very pushes him to change and he goes with it and now he's in a you know a, a world he doesn't he doesn't expect and he's oh i'm in a whole new world now and i get a guide and maybe i can do this and maybe i can change the world and i pull the sword from the stone i'm the hero i'm going to do it and then oh no this is much harder than i expected it to be there's so many problems that i wasn't prepared for when i when i agreed to do this and then oh my god i'm terrible i should have never left my house i give up i give up i wish i could go back but i can't go back i burnt my boats i have to go forward i guess i could go forward even though there's very little chance that i will succeed but it matters that i go forward all right i'm going forward oh wow this is still even harder than i thought but somehow i'm still succeeding is it because i changed and grew as a person this is amazing the end like that's that's an arc that's 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 the the traditional story so this 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 show wanted to be counterculture and didn't want to have that happen, but I don't know, it's lame. <laughs> like it's just, yeah, you know, that's where it comes down to that. It's just not good. Yeah. It could be done, but it's harder because it's not what the yeah. audience is anticipating. And you can't just be like, all right, this episode is cool. Get ready for it. And then <laughs> say whatever you want. It's like the difference between how cool the show tells us it is and how cool that show actually is, is what makes us mad yeah um so my cleverest moment and silliest moment are the same line (laughs) that would be telling (laughs) it's it's the the silliest moment when allison says it because writers you're not even trying at this point uh but then when tom says it it, i i almost feel like that is the actor throwing it back So. said that based on all the things you told me in the commentary oh my god that actually caused me physical like like that, that, that gave me some some relief that i needed where it was just yeah. like yes yes bruce also feels this way about this show it's not just you and me it's three people have <laughs> yeah 
just the three of us. Yeah. Um, I think Lisa feels the same way, if yeah, that makes yeah, it sure. for. Sure. Absolutely. Hey, Lisa, if you're listening, sorry about the video game references. Uh, Wesley Crusher is not a video game reference. That's a Star Trek reference. It's totally <laughs> different. We're allowed to do that. Uh, so you already said what you think, where you think the show is going from here. Yeah. So do you want me to give you the, uh, um, the, the lead in for next episode? Yes, please do. All right. So next up, we are going to be talking about Nowhere Man, episode 24, Marathon. An intercepted radio transmission leads Vale to an FBI investigation of the organization. <sighs> That's a reaction. <laughs> I... You know how you forgot the last, like, four episodes? Yeah. You should do that if that's where this goes. <laughs> like, yep. Like, it makes a lot of sense that, that you forgot them because so does the series finale, it sounds like. It seems that way. I guess we'll find out. That is the dumbest thing I have heard in a while, that it's yeah. he intercepts an FBI. Tra- like, it's not a thing he did. He is not the agent of the 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 action in in the finale of the series. He he's a he's a, stand, a he's a bystander. Like he's a bystander who had the sense to be listening, but like yeah. presumably if he is listening to FBI, you know, transmissions, he does this a lot and this yeah. is the time where well, it pays off. So the circumstances <laughs> around which he is listening to this thing going to be fun to talk about <laughs> i'll just put it that way <laughs> oh boy yep i i want to know how you feel about this i am inclined to also hear like do you want to do the next episode as one episode or do you want to do them together and should we that's, do the synopsis for uh, that if we're doing them together well uh that's a good question um if if you want what i was going to do was whenever we get in touch to to uh for you to watch the the next episode i was gonna say if you want to then go and do the following episode go ahead and watch the following episode and i'll try to have notes for both episodes um because i mean there might be a lot for us to talk about i don't want it to be like i mean i guess maybe it could be like a six hour episode i guess i wouldn't be completely against that (laughs) we can we can find out that that actually sounds kind of neat now that i think about it okay however i will say um because you, you were asking if I wanted to give the synopsis for the following episode as well. Yeah. Um, no. The reason being, on IMDb, <laughs> the so that each episode has like, you know, a one, like I just read, a, yeah. like a one sentence uh, uh, synopsis. The synopsis for the final episode is basically a summary of the entire episode. <laughs> okay. I don't know why. It's whoever, uh, who, whoever wrote it put the entire episode's plot on there. I guess I could read the first sentence and that would, uh, uh, well, let me actually look it over. Hang on a second. <laughs> yeah. Someone kills someone. I mean, the, the, the first sentence is someone's father is the first sentence is about on par with the summaries for all the other episodes, but it gives basically no information. Okay. It's basically just, this is a follow up to the previous episode. <laughs> so, Okay. What is the name? What is the final episode's the name? The name is Gemini. What? I hate this show. I don't oh, really. I just The reason Marathon is called Marathon is stupid. <laughs> it's 
you might think like, oh, okay, that has some sort of a thematic whatever. No, it's just, the, you know, there's an FBI investigation of the organization and it's called like Operation Marathon. Okay. Like that's the... That's where the name Marathon comes from. I'm the the reason I'm mad is because the Callaway episode was well. Wait, wait what was the Callaway episode called? Callaway. Callaway. Yeah, yeah, that was the last good title of the entire series. So that's why I'm mad. That's why I'm mad. Is the, it like there were about four good episode titles in this series? I will say the first episode was Absolute Zero. Oh wait, is that what Zero minus Ten is? Oh. I don't know. Like we're moving back from I, it's like like absolute. Th- why zero is it is minus like, ten? If it was like zero minus three or something, because it's like a couple days before the thing, but it isn't. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. No, because like absolute zero is, you know, like, oh, we're resetting to, z- to zero. And in this one, it's even worse. Like th- th- this, I don't technically have a problem with when I look at it through this lens. It is okay for him to basically have it worse now than when he started. That's what should happen now. Dur- okay. dur- like during the finale, it should be worse than when you started. When you start, it's supposed to be uninformed pessimism. It's it's meant to be, I'm upset, but I don't really know why. Okay. And it's meant to be <clears throat> that towards the end, you you experience informed pessimism where you're like, oh, okay. I was dumb. Let me enumerate the ways why. And you start, you're very clear on how bad your life is because it has gotten worse. You're able to track how it was, how it has gotten worse, how how actually you wish. And this is why you wish you could go back because you're like, it would be a, an improvement to go back to the shitty life that I had. So, you know, zero minus 10, like, oh, it's even worse than when he had his life erased. Because at the beginning, he at least had the hope that he'd get back together with Allison. And now he doesn't hear that hope. But Here's put the problem, though, Steve. Okay, yeah. Absolute zero. You can't go below absolute zero. That's why it's absolute zero. It is an in in temperature yeah, terms. It is an abs. It is the utter oh. lack of any heat whatsoever. Oh. So to then have an episode that's like, oh, actually, it's even lower than that is just <laughs> stupid. That's very stupid. That's like a DVZ problem where it's like you thought that was the worst person in the world. It was, but here's the worster person in the world. Yeah, all right, all right, all right. Yep. Well, then it continues to be dumb. So, as you were saying, you were you were you were listing off the bad names for the show in an effort to contrast them with a couple good names. I think was. Uh... Oh, I mean, I didn't I didn't necessarily have four episodes in mind. I just oh, figured there's probably enough. about four. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. I mean, hidden agenda is pretty good. Yep. yep. Father, I think, is not bad. Mm-hmm. Contact. Sure. I'm making a face as I say that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Forever Young, I think, is clever, but not good. I don't <laughs> yeah. know. Well, the father one, the contact Forever one. Young would have been a better title than Forever Young. <laughs> I'll put that out there. The ones that you mentioned as good titles are clear. Yeah. They, they describe what's in the episode. They don't. <laughs> I think that is the unifying factor of them is. Okay. What about, we got Dark Side of the Moon, Through a Lens Darkly, Heart of Darkness, <laughs> Dark McDarkyton, four great titles right there. 
All right, we will figure out the logistics of whether or not we're doing two episodes uh, on our own time, I think. Well, I I feel like we should, if, here, whenever we decided, I will record something and put it in right here so that our <laughs> listeners will know whether they should go and watch the rest of the show or not. Maybe they'll see in the episode title and they'll see it's two episodes. Maybe they won't. <laughs> Gabe, insert something here. <laughs> yes. Okay, All right, cool. listeners, now that that's over, join us next time. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be a doozy. Or maybe it won't. <laughs> All right, see you next time. contact us send us an email at nowheremenpodcast at gmail.com or follow us on twitter at nowheremenpod for updates for more content created by steve go to bit.ly slash nowherewizard and if you want to hear me talk about tabletop role-playing games check out my main podcast interparty conflict found wherever podcasts are sold be sure to like share and subscribe and thanks for listening <laughs>